1: This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X.
0: Sportos, motor hits, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude.
1: All right. All right. All right. It's Friday, March 25th. Welcome into the Mike Rutherford Show. 1450 a.m., 96.1 FM. You know it better as. The Big X. Hopefully your weekend is off to a fantastic start already. If you're not, spend some time with us at work. We're here until 6 o'clock. If you're about ready to head out, listen to us in the car. Streaming always wherever you can stream radio shows. Go to 1450 uh, Big X. That's how you're going to find the station. Also, BigXSportsRadio.com. There's a link right there. Pick up a golf card while you're there. Best deals on any sort of Southern Indiana golf courses. We've got a loaded show today for the next three hours. Sweet 16 is back. The Women's Sweet 16 is about to get underway. The cards will take on Tennessee tomorrow at 4 o'clock on ESPN2. We heard from Jeff Walls. We heard from Haley Van Lith. We heard from Kiana Smith. We heard from Olivia Cochran. We heard from everybody today. We'll talk about their comments. We also want to hear from you. Love when you interact with the show. It's your show as well. Text us on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. If you've got a question, comment, thought, concern, topic, idea, we'll be reading those for the next three hours. Again, 502 414 1450. We love Thornton's. We love Kelly Leonardo. We love Alex Cupper. He's a damn sugar bowl champion for God's sake. There are a billion Thornton's in the area. It's for a reason. If you have a billion of anything, it's because it's good. Thornton's best place to stop in the morning. If you need a little pick-me-up, a little coffee, a little donut, a little pepperoni pretzel like Trevor Kelsey loves. And download that Refreshing Rewards app. You've never needed to save money at the pump more than you do right now. Refreshing Rewards app is going to make that happen every time you fuel up at one of the area Thornton's. Special treat today. I don't know, I still haven't been able to figure out exactly what the crossover is between the Mike Rutherford Show audience and the Card Chronicle podcast audience. I'm assuming there's some, and if you listen to the Card Chronicle podcast, you know my co-host today. He's in town, he's in studio, it's Danny Sinard, famously of Dan in the Dumps, the segment on the Card Chronicle podcast. I'm sure we'll have some Dan in the Dumps stories today. Dan, how are you?
2: I'm good. It is, uh, I'm very humbled to be here. The... Uh, <laughs> It's pretty surreal, um, to be honest. I'm so used to talking to you over Skype to where I actually don't get to see your facial reactions to some of my ludicrous comments, so this could be interesting. But when I roll up to the building, um, very quaint kind of, you know, uh, I would call the building humble. There was, there was two things I thought of when I walked in. Uh, the first one I thought it was maybe my intervention and I was being tricked all along. It was some sort of intervention waiting for me. The, uh, the second one was... Uh, from the Joe Pesci scene in Goodfellas when he walks in when he thinks he's going to be made and um, <laughs> takes one in the back of the head. So, uh, But I, I'm very oh, excited. No. Yeah, I know. yeah, it's like, what happened? Everything go well? Well, well, he's gone. I don't he's know what dead. to say. He's good. But um, yeah, this is exciting. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty neat to see what you get to do on a daily basis.
1: If you didn't notice, Big X Studio is always hopping, but especially buzzing on Fridays. Oh, yeah. I say that, so Gary's laughing in, in the uh, producer's room. Quite literally, the only people here. You walk in today, and it's just—I, I, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, some days we have the telethon going, Gary, and there's like 75 people here, and there's food laid out everywhere. And then when there's non-telethon days, we walk in, and I'm like, "Is, is the building locked? What's yeah, going on
2: here?" It's—it's kind of like walking in on a Saturday to run a baseball game. Well, there's
1: nobody here you, you know, would know better than i would
2: I, I i prefer it this way you know like when you're golfing and you, you kind of get backed up and another group rolls on you and you're about to hit your tee shot you know this is my first tee shot my first time on live radio so the uh the emptiness of the building i i feel like that kind of suits me at this moment i don't want anyone looking at me
1: we do have like a, typically on most weekdays you know we have i think it's 970 next to us in the studio you know you you can describe for the people it's not the biggest building in the world back here so you can hear what's going on in the station next to us on most days which leads me to believe they can hear what we're talking about too and you know it's the the christian music station so they'll be like very you know speaking into in the way that christian music djs will speak and they'll be talking about the types of things that christian music djs will be talking about and then i'm like boner <laughs> like, like right through the wall i'm like well I feel so, – I'm very self-conscious, but you got to do what you got to do. Got to keep Let me ask show. you this.
2: Was there any trepidation bringing me on the show? Because obviously the, the text line between our friends was buzzing that it was going to take, you know, at least over under five minutes before the FCC got involved when I got on the mic. So I didn't know if, if you had any trepidation. I had like this – thought like what if like randomly today like a like seismic world event happened at like 304 and i'm like (laughs) folks we will carry you through the night and you're like well actually it's six o'clock local programming will come on but
1: the russians are here (laughs) yeah seriously dan steps up he's the voice of a guy you're like um who was it aaron brown on cnn on 9 11 like you just make this a career like he he handled it so well that they elevated him he's at a nightly show all of a sudden, Dan just moved back to Louisville. Gets like, his own big extra. Walter
2: Cronkite had to start somewhere, <laughs> so couldn't start at a better place. Well, you big remember X on Studios. Channel Thirty Two? Was it last Friday night during the tournament? Oh yeah. We had the the bad weather big roll storm. through, and and Jay had his uh, he had his sleeves he rolled, sleeves up. rolled he, up. He he means business when that happens. My
1: favorite moment of of all last night, which ended up being an awful night. I recounted the entire thing on Monday, but we lost power while I'm working the NCAA tournament and didn't get it back for like thirty five hours. But the best part was, yeah, my guy Mark Weinberg. And the theatrics of weathermen, I think sometimes it's played up. I think Weinberg's genuine. I I think that's just who he is. I think he's a lovable weather weirdo, and and I love him for it. But at one point, because I've turned it on, I've turned on Weinberg. We're trying to figure out if we need to wake up the kids and go to the basement. And it seems like it's died down a little bit. Like, Weinberg has said they registered an an 80-mile-an-hour wind, like, 100 miles to the east of us. He says this a billion times, but he's like— it's died down a little bit. We're, we're getting, you know, winds more, like 55 miles an hour, 60. And as he's doing this, as I'm thinking, hey, we might be in the clear here. The, guy, the other guy, the weatherman who's off screen, seat number two, the Robin to Weinberg's Batman, is like, Mark, I got to interrupt you here. SDF airport just registered 72 mile, 72 mile an hour wind. And this, I know this doesn't translate to radio, but Weinberg, he stares directly into the camera, like doesn't even flinch, as this guy's like 72 mile an hour wind at SDF. Weinberg stares directly in the camera. And just goes, "Did you guys hear that? <laughs> Did you guys catch that? Um, Seventy-two miles an hour. Seventy. This is nothing to play with. If if you have a basement, if you're in the line of the storm, it's time right now. And I, and one hand, I'm like, all right, he's probably right. We need to go to the basement. On the other, I'm laughing my ass off. I can't keep it together. It was the best moment of the entire. You night. know
2: what? These weathermen, I mean, they take their job seriously as they're out during." weather events to kind of protect you know the human race and uh i i i I think well, well this is the way i'll put it the news and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast the news in columbus like it's just the news the news stations in louisville like my wife watches like real housewives there's like real housewives new jersey real housewives beverly hills you could do like almost like a Real Housewives reality show for the different news stations. Like everyone yeah. has their own preference. You got Fox. You got WHS Wave. I think it would be a hit. I think everyone in Louisville would watch it. Just have camera follow the local personalities. Um, I don't know. That's my Shark Tank idea. I'll go to Mark Cuban with it.
1: I think it's brilliant. You know how they have like the the sports reality shows are all the, the craze now. The Formula One Drive to Survive. They're doing a new one with the PGA Tour. I would love to see the inner workings of the local news people like do Kevin Harnan and Mark Weinberg truly hate each other because yeah. they act like it on social media. And yeah. I want to know a little bit. Of the- I-, I want like the the camera on the backside of Churchill Downs during derby week for the morning radio sessions because they're all out there. Are they interacting? Who's buddy-buddy? Who's standing next to who? Who's talking to who? Who hates who? Yeah. I'm all in. Nope. It'd be wonderful.
2: 100%. I think, I think the ratings would go bonkers.
1: Speaking of the ratings, ratings not going bonkers, we've already derailed the show <laughs> for the, the first 10 minutes. We got into Weatherman without getting into sports. The Thornton sex line is already blowing up, and a lot of jokes about the quality of the audio. About because the the quality of the audio of the Car Chronicle podcast, oh yeah, it's what makes it charming. You guys who complain about it, who say it sounds like we're recording this in some sort of airport bathroom, that, that's part of the charm. We use Skype because I refuse to learn how to do it on any other sort of platform. But yeah, we're in a professional radio studio here today, so it's going to sound a little bit different. Uh, Texture sa- says, "I know Dan. Hi Dan. Not not even sure who this is, but oh, all right. Hello. It's somebody who texts the show regularly. Uh, Texture says." It's the go-caw guy in the house. I just want another massive Red Salary dump to happen this hour so us Reds fans can trash broke uh, Big Rob all show. We'll be doing that. Don't oh, worry yeah. about it. We'll, we'll get to that.
2: That's coming, yeah. We got a, I, I got a lot on my mind about that. I'm sure that's not what everyone's tuned in for, but I got a couple things to say.
1: Texture says, hold on, hold on, hold on. First Sean Moth, then Dana the Dumps in the flesh. Trevor needs to go out of town more often. Trevor's going to be bitter about this. Trevor refers to you as the the podcast Trevor.
2: Can I, where where is Trevor at the moment? God uh, knows. Luxury vacation. He's off
1: to look for to search for America. That's why I said he's Paul Simon. I was gonna say
2: I know he's a big wrestling guy. I think WrestleMania is in April. Actually, my my brother is going to WrestleMania. Like it's his like six one. Shout out, Colin. Love you, Colin. Um, but yeah, I didn't know if that was in the cards or what.
1: He went. Trevor had actually never been to a WWE pay per view before he went to the Royal Rumble this year. Okay. So we were bringing up. I mean, he's diehard wrestling. He goes to all these events. He does all this stuff. And I brought up that I went to Judgment Day back in 2000. We all went together. Yeah, And he was like, you've been to a WWF pay-per-view before I've been to one. I'm like, well, I'm a bigger fan. Love Gangrel. Oh, yeah. Get out of my face.
2: I I mean, my brother, I don't know how he does it. I know he's been to a lot of them, but. The quality of wrestling, you know, not to hate on people that watch it now, it's just gone so much downhill. I don't know how those are still enjoyable. You're but.
1: fitting right in with the show with the old man take. That's what we do in the first segment. Okay. We always have old man. It was better in our day yep. when we were playing sports in the uh, mid 2000s, slash early 90s, ni- late 90s. Uh, everything was better when we were kids, and that's how we, we like to talk about it on the Mike Rutherford show. Let's get into we'll talk about actual sports today. We'll have a couple of, of I guess, small tidbits because I know everybody wants to talk recruiting transfer portal, staff updates. And th- there's a couple of things out there, obviously nothing substantial, or we wouldn't have been talking about Weatherman and pro wrestling here in the first 15 minutes. We would have led with that. Uh, but we'll get to a, a couple of names that have leaked out there in both um, the potential transfer candidate department and also the potential assistant coach department, because th- there's some stuff floating around out there. But before we do any of that, I got to talk about last night, Sweet 16 action back I thought it was a good night of hoops. Yeah, Maybe not the uh, the best Sweet 16, but Sweet 16 is the round that I feel like is it's really hit or miss because you're going to have madness regardless in the first two rounds. You've got four games going on at one time in the first round. You've got, at least at night, on Saturday and Sunday of the second round, you've got three games going on there. You're going to have quality of play. You may have a couple of blowouts. You may have a couple of upsets, but you're going to get something good. Sweet 16 is a little bit less predictable because you'll have games where... Like Duke-Texas Tech last night, the seeds have held, and you got the two versus the three, and it's highly competitive. But then you're going to have other games where the Cinderella 12 seed or, for instance, tonight the 15 seed St. Peter's is taking on a three seed. And sometimes those games aren't as competitive as we would like. And sometimes even like the the, the seven versus the one or, or whoever's left standing to take on the one or the two seed is not overly competitive. And you just never know. It feels like you want the best and you want the best parts of both the competitive matchups between the best teams in the sport and also the Cinderella, but sometimes you can't have it all on the second weekend. And I think you root for really good regional finals in this round, and I think we, we're probably going to get that on Saturday. We'll see what happens with tonight's games as far as setting up Sunday's regionals are concerned. But last night I mentioned it. I'll ask you what do you think is the bigger story from last night? Because we were debating what to lead with this morning with the SB Nation coverage. Is it Gonzaga, the number one overall seed going down, everybody reacting that, people defending them, people piling on them, they always choke, uh, they're treated unfairly, like whatever. Or is it Duke, Coach K keeping his career alive, and now all of a sudden, it's not just Coach K's advancing, it's Look at the rest of the bracket. Yeah. It's kind of setting up to I cannot believe it. It's a it's a very realistic thing that's on the table right now. Coach K going out on top. This Duke team could absolutely win the national title. Which of those two storylines do you think is the bigger deal?
2: I would say for the casual fan, probably the Duke storyline. Yeah. I mean, everyone thinks Mike Jeschski, Duke last year. Um and for the bracket to just open up like this, it's it's I mean, pretty for, for non-Dukies, it's pretty alarming because this really has a chance of actually happening. It's kind of
1: scary. They'll um, be favored in the next two games, yeah. assuming they make the Final Four.
2: Exactly. For me personally, um, it's the Gonzaga um, story. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, like, I, I'd like pick them to win it all in my bracket. Um, just like probably most people, everyone's black brackets are probably up in flames, but... I just thought this year was different when you watch them in the regular season, just how fluent all their games were, you know, how talented they were offensively. And then, I mean, we texted about this uh, last night. I mean, even in their wins, they were very unimpressive. I wasn't impressed. Their first-round matchup against Memphis, I wasn't impressed. And then last night, I mean, I don't know. You you start to question. I mean, well, I think – do I think Mark Few's ever going to win the big one? Yeah, I think he eventually will. But I think some things have to change um it's nice to get up and down and run the floor like they do but you kind of look at the you know the past three or four years some of these teams that have won the title um or or at least been there at the end these are all tough hard nose you know grinded out teams the villanovas of the world you know the virginias the texas techs that make it to the finals and gonzaga you know yes i know defensively that i guess their numbers might be a little skewed from the conference that they play in Um, But we know they're talented on offense, but I don't know. I I, I just thought from an overall standpoint of a toughness factor, uh, they just don't really – they're not on par with some of these other teams as far as what it takes to get to the pinnacle of college basketball.
1: They're not, at least not this year. Because I think last year's team beats this year's Gonzaga team by like 15. Yeah. I think they were really good last year, and they just ran into the one team that could be a terrible matchup for them. And on top of that, they played poorly in the national title game, and Baylor was, was terrific. I think, because I'm like you, watching this Gonzaga team off and on this season. You know, they looked really good at times during the non-conference portion of the year. Um, They looked kind of overmatched against Duke. Mm -hmm. I know it was a close game, but Duke seemed like Duke's superior talent stood out in that game to me. And then Bama hung 91 on them, uh, like a couple of days later, which stood out as well. I had significant doubts about their chances to win the national title this year. But then the bracket comes out. Like, I'm telling myself the entire year, like, I'm not riding with the Zags this year. This feels like a, a year where they lose in the Elite Eight. Bracket comes out. I love their region. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's nobody that I want to pick over them. So I take them to the, the Final Four. I have them losing to Kentucky, um, which exactly what I said after the first round of the tournament has played out. I said it halfway jokingly that Miami was going to be the only Final Four team that I got right or had left standing. Miami's the only Final Four team that I have left after last night because I had both Arizona uh, and Gonzaga joining Kentucky and the Hurricanes in the Final Four. But they, the big issue for Gonzaga all year long was, like, Andrew Nemhard is good. He's a really good college guard. But you saw his weaknesses exposed fully in that championship game against Baylor. And I think you saw them exposed a couple of times when they played superior talent teams in the the non-conference portion of the schedule. And then the other guards they have just aren't good enough. It's not like last year where if you go all in and stopping Drew Timmy in the post, guess what? Jalen Suggs is going to kill you. Andrew Nemhard can kill you. Some of the other guys that they had who could shoot, Corey Kispert could kill you. They don't have those guys. And what Musselman did, this is why he's a great coach, yeah. would have been, hey, must bust. There's a reason why people were on the train. He said from the jump, if they beat us with outside shots, more power to you. Right. We're going to flood the middle. We're going to not let Drew Timmy just go nuts. We're going to not let Chet Holmgren go nuts. And we're going to make Gonzaga's guards, the three other guards that they start, beat us from the outside. Well, Gonzaga was 5 of 21 from 3. On the other end, they attacked Chet Holmgren every possession, Right. every possession. And we can talk about the officiating. I think he got yeah, screwed a little bit there. I mean, he got whistled for five fouls. I think he actually committed one. Yeah. The three but point foul was really three point nice. foul was awful. The last one was terrible. He yeah. went straight up, dude. Like if this is why I think college basketball, the block charge problem isn't limited to just getting it right when dudes fall over. We reward these dudes for for holding their junk and falling backwards. And if Chet Holmgren, on all of these fouls last night, just falls over, he probably gets like two of those calls, which is silly because he's seven foot tall. Like, Like, he should not be falling down when a six foot four guard is running into him. He should be challenging the shot, which is what he did last night. But... It's a brilliant game plan by Musselman. Yeah. Get him into foul trouble. Get him out of the game. Don't let him do what he does so well defensively or offensively. And Holmgren was probably at his best. He only played 23 minutes last night, still had eleven points and 14 rebounds. Like he was playing a fantastic game, but Musselman had the perfect game plan. And Gonzaga, all along, what we've been saying is if they get beat, it's gonna be the guards. It was the guards. Yeah. They didn't none of them played well. Andrew Nimhart was awful. I think he was one of eleven from the field, had five turnovers, which is terrible.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Jalen Williams, he, he kind of looked like a poor man's Brad Davidson. Like, a, a absolutely, any... He's taken 52 a, yeah, charges this year. At any change, Outrageous. It, it is just, if just—if—if you even look like you're about to drive at any point, um, and, I mean, credit to him, he's playing to the rules, but, I mean, kind of like you touched on, I mean, the, the block charges, and, I mean, maybe we just harp about officiating every single tournament because um, I don't know what's under the spotlight more but it just seems extra this year that I mean it is just outrageous some of these calls that we're getting and how poorly officiated some of these games are um, but I mean as you said Mus had a great game plan e- even on offense I mean they put Gonzaga at the pick, and, in the pick and roll pretty much you know the back half of the game and Gonzaga had no idea how to defend it um, and their defenders weren't good from a one on one standpoint to be able to stop no. their guys so um, do I think Think Arkansas could you know give trouble to Duke the next round? I think they can give them trouble. I, I ultimately think Duke is going to come out on top there. But um, I I had Arkansas going out the first round, so obviously this is a surprise to me. Um, and Eric Musselman deserves all the all the credit in the world. I mean, back to back elite eights, kind of bringing a I don't want to say a dormant Arkansas program, but one that has a proud tradition that really hasn't done much lately, and to get them to back to back elite eights um you know he definitely deserves whatever money he has coming his way
1: no i mean they hadn't been to a sweet 16 before last year since 1996 like their their heyday like they hadn't been to they haven't been to a final four since 95 i
2: hope we could start seeing like some corliss williamson or i almost tweeted out last night
1: i'm like what's al dillard doing right now (laughs) shooting from the razorback logo he was my favorite just pulled from anywhere he was i know everybody loved scotty thurman and, and big nasty but i was an al dillard guy just Shooting threes, that's all he did. That, that was, uh, you know, 28-footers back before it was in vogue. But they – I mean, Arkansas also, it has to be said last night, they made some ridiculous shots. Yeah, they did. Especially when Gonzaga was trying to do what they did against Memphis and have this furious comeback. Jalen Williams, Trey Wade, who had been terrible before last night's game in the tournament, um, like, they were hitting all these terrible fadeaways. And there's a a site online that tracks, like, shot quality, and they'll come back with a report card after the game and says, like, this is – like. Obviously every team is going to make some shots that are quote unquote bad shots. Yeah, but it's I, like based on shot
2: selection, exactly. who would come out on top.
1: And so they said like based on just the shot quality selection last night, Gonzaga wins that game eighty three percent of the time and they should have won last night's game by ten. And yeah. it makes it I mean, Drew Timmy missed a, a decent amount of bunnies. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga's the threes they were taking were all wide open. They were just I don't know if they were their legs were tired, everything was short. And Arkansas, meanwhile, was hitting contested fifteen foot fadeaways like with ease when the game's on the line. Like they were the better team from start to finish.
2: Let me ask you this. Are you part of the Gonzaga? I, I don't think you are, but I'm surprised at the Gonzaga hate train. I, I, I don't really understand it. I guess people get jealous that they're getting these one seeds based on maybe their conference versus some of these other you know Power Five conferences. Um, but all they can do is just play the teams in front of them. I, I don't get what the hate is about Um I personally, I mean, obviously, I would always want Louisville to win um, a championship, but we're obviously not close to that point. But I wouldn't mind seeing Mark Few getting a championship under his belt at some point, and I, I don't really understand the hate.
1: I don't either, and I feel like now I'm I'm engaging in a, a Twitter war that I've been in thirty five thousand <laughs> times over the last seven years. But it, I do I understand why the love that Gonzaga gets from the quote unquote big J journalists kind of upsets some people because. I think there is a, an element of you don't know basketball. You're not staying up to watch these guys play Pepperdine at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday like I am. So you get, and, and I feel like that probably fuels at least a little bit of the Gonzaga defending from portions of the media. It, it's like it's like not showing your work on a math problem. Something that I've never been able to do anyway. But yeah, you know, that, it's, that goes for two of us. You get the right. It's like these people come out and they maybe say, like maybe this year you weren't a big Gonzaga believer. But a casual college basketball fan who's only watched a handful of games this year is like, well, Gonzaga always chokes. They're going to lose in the Elite Eight. And if you've watched Gonzaga all season long, maybe that pisses you off a little bit. It's like getting the right answer on a math problem, but not having any idea how you arrived at you know, the number 11. And I think that leads to people being more defensive of Gonzaga than they probably should be. Maybe I fall into that category as well, because it does annoy me just to see people. I mean, there were people last night tweeting at me after I wrote my reaction to Gonzaga losing saying, you know, they never do anything. They'll never do anything until they join a power conference. I'm like, they literally played in the national title game last year. That's not yeah. nothing. Yeah. If you want to say they'll never win a national title because they play in such a bad conference, I mean, I don't know how you can say that, but fine. I mean, they came within a basket of beating North Carolina in 2017. In the nat- I mean, this is a team that's played in two of the last five national championship games. Right. It's not like they're flaming out every single year. This also was the first time they've ever lost in the Sweet 16 as a number one seed. Yeah. So the notion that this happens every single season is just—it's just not there. I know the stat has been everywhere; it was there everywhere last year too. Their record against top four seeds in the NCAA tournament over the last, I think, ten years or, or something—they're two and thirteen. And look, it's a terrible stat, and their only two wins are not impressive. It's like over a, a four-seeded Utah team, and I can't even remember who the other one is. Having said that, like all you can do is is play who you play and beat who you beat, and they've been to seven consecutive Sweet Sixteens. It's tied for the third longest streak ever. Duke and North Carolina are the only two programs that have been to more consecutive Sweet 16s in their history. They for the most part have been a consistent program. And I think it would be different if it'd be different if they played nobody in the non-conference portion of the season and then just rolled through the West Coast Conference and everybody's like, "Well, they're 30 and 2, but they've only got one or two Quad 1 wins. They're not getting these number 1 and number 2 seeds for no reason." right they're stacking up quad one i mean last year they played they opened their season with wins over kansas auburn west virginia and iowa then they beat virginia by a million points uh, and then they started west coast conference play they beat duke with zion williamson in the maui title game a few years ago Uh, this year they beat texas uh, when texas was a top 10 team they beat uh, ucla when ucla was a preseason top five team they beat texas tech we know how good texas tech was we just saw them play last night they played duke lost by three they played alabama Didn't look great in that one. They lost by nine, gave up 91 points. But they're playing tough non-conference schedules. They're winning a lot of these games. And this was a year where, unlike last season, you didn't have a whole lot of really strong resumes competing for that top line. Like Uh you had, you know, Baylor kind of limped in to a one seed at the end of the season. Kansas was just kind of a, you know, run-of-the-mill one seed. Arizona got hot at the right time, but they still, you know, in years past, probably would have been one of the three, one of the bottom two one seeds. So, I maybe if your beef is with them being a number one overall seed, but what's the fix? Like, they're they're still number one on Ken Palm. They're still number one in on the advanced metrics. They, it's-
2: they, they might get lumped into kind of that West Coast grouping. And when people think of the West Coast and the NCAA tournament, I mean, you haven't had an NCAA championship out of the West since 1997 Arizona. Mm. So... People kind of just associate the West Coast with not performing in the NCAA tournament. I mean, obvi- I think right now the only team left from you know Pac-12 is UCLA. Shout out Mick Cronin. Um,
1: but gonna hate you. Today. I know. I know. Because we're gonna have to get to the games tonight. And you're gonna talk about your Mick Cronin am, love, and people ta- are gonna the, Listen, the famously anti Mick Cronin. Yeah,
2: I haven't even really got to give my whole like Kenny Payne spiel yet, but um, excited for that. Yeah, it's positive. No, I'm 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 excited about him, but. With that being said, I, I like I said, I think Gonzaga kind of falls into, you know, that lumping of teams where, hey, it, like most of the powerhouses in college of basketball are, reside on the East Coast, and they kind of just look down upon the West Coast, and Gonzaga kind of fits that billing as a team that never, you know, comes up big in the dance.
1: Yeah, I think it's more about the fact that they disappear for two months before, right before the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You, know, you see Gonzaga in November, they usually play in one of the bigger Thanksgiving week tournaments or early season tournaments. You see them play a couple of high profile non-conference games in December. And, you know, they're ranked somewhere in the top five, usually one, two or three. And then they just go away and they'll play. I mean, the West Coast Conference sent three teams to the NCAA tournament this year. They almost sent four. BYU was right there in the mix. So they'll play games against like a couple of good teams a year. I mean, St. Mary's was a five seed this year. They've had teams in the past that have been single digit seeds. But for the most part, like nobody sees them. And then all of a sudden, bam, they pop up as a one seed. And all people remember is that they've never cut the, cut down the nets. And college basketball is a sport that loves extreme narratives because the NCAA tournament. It's all or nothing. And we act like, and I say we as, as fans of the sport, we act like if something hasn't happened before, then it it's impossible. It never can. It never will. And I wrote last night, I was like, Gonzaga, they're the biggest victims of this because they go from once upon a time – the little program that could, that everybody loved. And now they're the overrated program that never will and never has. Like, that's all anybody wants to talk about. And I guess I understand it, but I would also say five years ago, Jay Wright was a guy who could never win in March. Yeah. Three years ago, Tony Bennett was a guy whose style was never going to lead him to a, a national title. 30 years ago, Mike Krzyzewski was a head coach who always choked. Like, we do this with guys. And then the second it changes – it changes completely. Exactly. All of a sudden, Jay Wright's the best coach that's ever existed. Yeah. And he's the i mean, he's the guy, when we were talking about coaching search, he's like the, the white whale that's out there. You, you can't even think about going to get him. He's never going to leave. He could choose any job he wanted to, whereas six years ago, if, if you brought up Jay Wright's name, it was, can't wait for them to do one seed and lose in the second round again. Can't wait for them to choke. Yeah. And maybe Gonzaga, I'm, I'm with you, Like maybe Gonzaga gets there, maybe they don't. Maybe all this talk is legitimate. They did look, last night, and in the title game against Baylor last year, like they were just kind of bullied, and that's going to be the case when your your superstars are guys like Drew Timmy and Chet Holgram. I know Chet is a probably going to be a top three NBA draft pick. I think it's a, I mean, he's such a unique talent. I trust the NBA scouts who follow this stuff way more than I do the NBA draft writers, who all you know have good things to say about him. On the college level, you can see why he kind of can disappear in games like last night's. As good as he was, he's not going to be a guy who's going to get you like 35 and 16. And Timmy, for as good as he's at the college level, is obviously going to be limited as a pro wherever he goes and plays professionally. So you need some of the guys that they have been getting in recent years but did not get for this year. You need a guy like Jalen Suggs, a difference maker, who can just go get you a bucket in games like last night. And they didn't have that guy this year, and ultimately it's why they're not playing anymore.
2: Yeah, and I I think that's one of the reasons – gonzaga's probably not going away anytime soon is just because i do think mark few from a recruiting standpoint from a bringing and transfer standpoint um he has it rolling enough to where yeah i mean they're gonna lose chet holgren obviously they'll probably lose some more guys but he's been able to kind of replace the pieces for the most part i mean like you said they didn't have a jalen suggs last night but those guys don't come around very often either so um yeah, it'll be interesting next year. I'm sure we're probably going to go through the same narrative where they're going to run their conference. And then, um, you know, people are going to complain once the brackets come out. We're going to do this all over again, just like every other year. But um, I don't know. It certainly opens up the tournament. And it's always fun, kind of. I mean, yes, is it fun when like the one seeds get there and you know you're going to get maybe the best quality of basketball, like in the final four? Yeah, of course. Everyone wants to see good basketball. But to me, like when you can wipe out the one seeds and and just get like some surprising two three seeds in there, gosh, that's what makes the tournament so great for me. Like the years like that, the Texas Techs of the world make it, or like when Arizona went on their run in '97. Um, you know the George Masons, the VCU's, like that's really why the tournament is what it is. So, um, from a basketball quality standpoint, maybe it goes down a little bit, but from a Hey, what you know? What do we got new coming down the pipe? I think it'll be good for, um, for the tournament.
1: I was thinking about that last night. You know, six teams right now: Arkansas, Duke, North Carolina, UCLA, Purdue, Saint Peter's. One of those six teams is playing in the national championship game. That's wild. And it was it was one of those things where you know you think about it. Like, don't get me wrong, I think a lot of those teams you looked at and said they have realistic shots to get to the final four. Certainly, uh, Duke was a, kind of a trendy pick, even though. People thought they were overseeded as a two. UCLA got a little bit of love. Purdue got a little bit of love. But imagining one of those teams playing for it all was not something that I was envisioning four weeks ago when I was looking at the the landscape of college basketball. Uh, We'll talk more about Duke. We have to take a break here. We'll talk more about the Dukies. They survived. Coach K is still dancing. He's crying in every postgame interview. Uh, Is the country starting to turn a little bit to the other side? Are there people out there rooting for Coach K? We'll talk about that coming up after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. And if you're looking to play five of the best courses in southern Indiana for under $25 a round, that includes cart, includes a a basket of range balls, go to BigXSportsRadio.com. Click on the tab that says Big X Golf Cards. You'll be able to pick one up there. Also, you can dial 812-725-1457 and get one that way. That's 812-725-1457. Under $25 a round for these courses. Chariot Run, fantastic track. Old Capital, Elk Run, Valley View, Christmas Lake. Best courses in Southern Indiana. You can play them all for under $25 with your Big X Golf Cards. Limited amounts, still available. Act Now, they're going to be gone relatively soon. So, Head over to radio.com. Danny Sennard with me in studio, Card Chronicle podcast legend here. We've been talking about last night's Sweet 16 action. Focused mostly on the Gonzaga game, the reaction there. The other side, I think the, the bigger story, because I think you're right to answer the question um, that I, I posed to you, I think Duke is probably the bigger story nationally, just because it's gone from, the topic has gone from when is Coach K going to lose, like how is this going to happen, and now that he's won three games and he's back in a regional final and that side of the bracket has kind of opened up, the topic is sort of shifted to, like, is he actually going to do this? Like, Is he going to go out on top? Are all the Duke haters going to be upset? And I've seen a growing number of people who are like, you know, I've never been the biggest Coach K fan, never been the biggest Duke fan, but I'm kind of rooting for him here. What are you people thinking? What, what are you doing? Have you forgotten everything that has transpired over the prior 40 years? Have we forgotten the Myron Piggy stuff? Have we forgotten everything about him, the lecturing players, the lying about lecturing players, the yelling at his own fans, all the, the Coach K-ness that has overwhelmed that program? No, we're not rooting for Coach K here. We're rooting for him to lose. It's not going to be as fun as it would have been if he'd lost in the first or second round. He's kind of righting the wrongs of losing to Carolina in his final regular season game, losing to Virginia Tech in his final ACC championship game. Now it feels like he's kind of getting those together. And also, oh, by the way, we're two North Carolina wins and one Duke win away from those two meeting in the Final Four, which would be the first time they've ever met in the NCAA tournament, I can't even imagine what a— I mean, I mean if officials are going to be skewed the next oh. three days, expect every call to go Carolina's way, expect every call to go Duke's way, because that is a dream come true for everybody at Turner and really everybody involved with college basketball. But last night, Dan, I know we were talking about the games— I was very convinced they were going down last night. Although I think I was wrong about everything that I said about last night's game at the end of yesterday's show. But I was very convinced Texas Tech was taking them out. And for about 32 minutes, it looked like I was going to be right. Texas Tech was in pretty firm control of the game. They led by four at halftime. It felt like it should have been more. And then Duke, to their credit, kind of goes God mode, just like they did against Michigan State. Now they're still dancing.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can knock K... All day. I mean, and a lot of people, I feel like it's the cool thing to do. Like, like you I just said, did it. Uh, you just did it. Don't like uh, it. I think people are, are – you kind of get sick of the same thing. And, I mean, we've been seeing it for 42 years. I mean, this is just what he does. It seems like even like some of his best teams he didn't have somehow won a championship. Um, and to see how they performed down the stretch last night against Texas Tech – I mean, you can do nothing but tip your cap. I mean, Jeremy Roach was absolutely phenomenal.
1: Where'd this guy come from? Uh, oh, my God. He's becoming it, Quinn Cook.
2: It, I it, swear. It's it's ridiculous. Like, he was – like, when we played him, like, one of the guys, you just kind of were like, oh, he's on the team. Like, you know, we got to worry about Banchero, Mark Williams, you know, those guys, and Jeremy Roach is kind of a throw-in. But yeah, if
1: Jeremy Roach beats us, you tip your cap. Exactly. Well, he's beating everybody now. Yeah.
2: I mean, he – End of the game, shot clock down, crossing over and getting elbow jumpers. So, I don't know. I mean, they, from an individual talent standpoint, I mean, it, if you see what they do the last, you know, whatever they did the last six minutes of the game, in your head, you're like, if they can do that, I don't really see who's going to beat them the rest of the way. But, yeah. um, you know, it's about consistency. All it takes is one night for them to slip up. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think the players, it's kind of a weird situation. I mean, you know, and this is one of the reasons, Coach K, that I think people get annoyed. He's like, well, there's too much pressure on these kids. And Oh, it's my like, God. Like, yeah. Don't give me started. I meant to talk about that
1: yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah. they- I feel bad for them. I really do. They're getting all the attention that I – oh, my God. Like, you did this. Yeah. All you had to do is say, like, nothing and just
2: re- go go quietly, you know, after the season. But you're the one that – is bringing all the attention here, but I, hate I don't know. That
1: they're falling victims to all this madness. Exactly. Like, do the same thing Roy Williams did literally last year.
2: I know. God. I, I, I miss O'Roy. I do like O'Roy and the kind of the way he handled it. And I love that he's at games like going crazy. I, I do. Think, too. I think it's I awesome. I like it. Um, But with that being said, I think the players have kind of uh, taken a, I don't know, like a band together. Like we're not going to be the team that kind of lets down our coach as, as he's walking out the door here. Um, and, and you can see they're playing with the, just an inspired confidence right now. So, uh, I don't know. Like, I as unrealistic as it seemed when the brackets came out, now I think... Uh, it's very much in play. It's very much in play.
1: They, and that's the thing about their last two wins. You know, they look like they're, they're going to go out against Michigan State. They look like they're going to go out last night against Texas Tech. And it hasn't been what we all thought it was going to be if Duke went on a deep run. I think we all thought it was going to be, well, just classic Duke luck. They get a bunch of breaks. They get to play like a a 14 seed in the the Sweet 16. They get a bunch of calls going their way. I would love to complain and say there's some sort of Duke conspiracy at play here, but the officiating has been more or less fine their last two games. Last night, I mean, they were damn near perfect down the stretch against Michigan State. And last night, quite literally, they didn't miss a shot in the last eight minutes and 25 seconds of that game made their last eight field goal attempts, got points on nine of their last 12 possessions. They are the first team to score 75 or more points against Texas Tech all season long. Like, they were tremendous. And, you know, when it looks like Texas Tech's going to pull away, Paulo Bancaro remembers that he's a top three pick, takes over. Jeremy Roach becomes Quinn Cook. Mark Williams dominates the middle. Like, they just won that game. They just took it away from Texas Tech the same way that they just took it away from Michigan State. Like, they are, if Roach keeps playing like this, I don't think they're losing. Yeah. I really don't. Like, because like, you know, Ben is going to do what he's going to do. You know, Wendell uh, Moore is going to be solid. And you know, Mark Williams is a behemoth in the middle that I don't think any team left standing. He, he, I mean, AJ an Griffin has he's been, been great. phenomenal. Like, Killed he, us. He,
2: yeah, 100%. He, that was a long day. But um, with that being said, I don't know. Like, I thought last night, and I think most people that fill out their brackets probably thought the same way. They had this matchup there. And then you look the, at the teams Duke has played throughout the year. They haven't really played like a hard-nosed defensive team like Texas Tech. And I really thought with the freshmen going up against this kind of defense first time around that it was going to give them fits. And for them to, like you said, the last seven, eight minutes, not miss a shot from the field, is truly unbelievable. I mean, they ran good offense and they were good shots for the most part. Um, so credit to them. I mean, these that, that's what's weird. Uh, you look at like some of these times like – like Coach Cal had all these freshmen, and uh, on certain teams, and there's certain tournaments where those freshmen absolutely wilted, um, and then there's other times. And last night, obviously, uh, w- with Duke's freshmen, they seem they seem to be rising to the occasion. So whatever Coach K is doing to kind of trigger these guys, he's he's pressing the right buttons.
1: He is, and, and now you look at the the bracket. Everybody was expecting to see Gonzaga here, a rematch of a, a good game from November, and now it's Arkansas, who as Hard nosed as they've been, and as tough as they've been, they were last night against Gonzaga. They haven't been spectacular in the tournament so far. I mean, they were life and death to beat Vermont. They were life and death to beat New Mexico State. They had a great game plan last night, but they still didn't shoot it. I wasn't well blown. From three. I
2: wasn't even blown away by them last night. I was not either. Like, I felt like
1: it was more about Gonzaga than it was about them, at least offensively. I, I felt like Gonza. I mean, Gonzaga just missed a ton of outside shots, and yeah. Drew Timmy wasn't himself, and Jen Holmgren was in foul trouble. Like that was, that was kind of it. Like that seems like a favorable matchup for them. And then if they get to the if they get to the final four, they're gonna be favored against whoever comes out of that other region. Like they're going to be the two seed. Purdue is the highest possible seed that could advance out of there. They're a three. I think the odds makers would make Duke the favorite if those two matched up. They certainly would make them the favorite over either UNC or UCLA, and St. Peter's goes without saying. Like they could be the favorite for the next two rounds after nobody thought they were going to even make it this far. <sighs> Yeah, we probably should have seen this coming, shouldn't we? I know. Like, like, looking back on it now, like how how naive were we to yeah. think that they they could lose the UNC in the regular season finale? They could use to, lose to Virginia Tech in the ACC title game. Of course, they're going to go on this run in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Last
2: though. week, we're like ACC baby, that's right, <laughs> ACC <laughs> yeah. all day. And now we're like, okay, well, let's just hold up a second. Like we don't we don't want to go all the way. Let's let's get as far as we can without. Things winning changed. It. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I think we've we've pretty much covered it. But I think. Uh, yeah, the, it, everything's open for him right now. And I think the possibility of K going out on top, as storybook as it would be, like uh, one of our friends, Webb, mentioned this last night. Like I, <laughs> the Coach K annoyance level would be out of this
1: world if this ever happened. I'll be honest, I don't think I'd ever get over it. <laughs> I'd never get over it. I mean, it'd be 40 years down the line. I'm like, I'm, well, I was gonna say my death, but hopefully I live a little bit longer than that. 85 years down the line when I'm in my 120s. Uh, kicking it on my deathbed i'm gonna be like that damn 2022 ncaa tournament. Be like
2: mike make sure you take this pill it's like do you remember coach k back in 2020
1: <laughs> 2022
2: yeah that was rough
1: which of these stats blew your mind more last night i mean the first one that i thought was just kind of a weird stat was duke going into last night's game was 0 and five all time in ncaa tournament games played in the pacific time zone uh, that was i thought it was weird one for the fact that they hadn't won Two, only playing five five. games. Because, I mean, you have Final Fours that are on the West Coast. There's a West region every single year. The fact that they have been able to stay – on the you know the east side of the Mississippi. I mean, much. is
2: that shocking though? I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like the least shocking thing ever that they. But like, still,
1: like I mean, over like Duke's played in the NCAA tournament for a long, long time, having only five games out they there. They probably
2: have triple the games in Greensboro alone. Well, that, yeah, that, yeah, like, of course I'm, they I'm, do. Yeah, I'm sure they have like 18 to 24 games just in Greensboro. Versus... But
1: the stat that shocked me even more than that, going into last night, Arkansas was 0 oh, and 10 all time against one seeds. And I mean, you think about the fact that they played. I mean, they, they beat Duke for a national title in 94. They went to the national title game a year later. Like They have played some of the best basketball teams in the entire world in the 90s when they were at their, at their peak. And even since then, you know, they've been, or before then, like they had good teams. The old Southwest Arkansas teams were competitive. And you just would have assumed that at some point in time, they would have been like a two or a three or a fellow one seed that would have knocked off a one. And it hadn't happened. Last night was the, the first time, which I'm sure Gonzaga fans are like, of bleeping course like, yeah. like like the one you know the one time we're losing to a sweet 16 it's, it's the first time Arkansas has ever beaten a one that's nice salt in the wound but that kind of shocked me a little bit yeah
2: and I'm I'm happy for Arkansas they have like DL very passionate fans yeah and we just haven't really got to see it I, I think people in the SEC know about it but um yeah I mean that game on Saturday that's going to be one to watch I'm very excited I don't really know what to expect, because I, I think Musselman's such a good coach. I think he'll be able to take out some of what Duke likes to do best. Um, I just don't know. Like I think Duke matches up well with Arkansas. So I, I. I, I didn't think they did with Texas Tech, and for them to get through that game, I think kind of now it's on a you're, you're kind of on a downhill slide for them.
1: I think the biggest upset of the NCAA tournament so far, not St. Peter's over Kentucky, not St. Peter's over Murray State, not – gonzaga losing last night the fact that a shirtless and wild eric musselman wasn't all over the timeline yeah, he last kept night it together he kept the shirt on i was stunned he just kept drinking his his coke hanging out with his with, with his family he was celebrating the locker room but no topless muss yeah I, I guess he's saving it for the final four
2: is this is this city gonna like spontaneously combust with hot takes if mick cronin ends up playing Musselman eric in the musselman final four in the final four like just i mean i and i think like a thousand more people like must more than than cronin from the vibes i'm getting but i mean like i said we're we, we hired kenny payne everyone's happy about it we've we've moved on past those guys but um i i do think it'll be funny if those two happen to meet for a chance to go to the national title game
1: uh text we'll take a couple of texts here quickly before we go to break text says, excited to have a live danny sinard answering the infamous text line today does danny have a real job or could this be a permanent thing has danny ever met tk the three-headed monster everyone wants
2: yeah, I'm actually doing my permanent job as we speak. Uh, he's I'm working like, while I'm he's on literally hungry. answering emails. So <laughs> I'm a I'm a do it all guy, folks. I can do it all. Very versatile.
1: By the way, if you're in the market for any sort of pipe, there's yeah. one person to go to. It's Danny Senard. Yeah. Uh Te- Texture, I've gotten blown up with people this week also being very upset with us for not doing a podcast. I know we're, we're we've been terrible. There's stuff going on. Like, yeah. like we, we're trying we're we're busy. This is a, a, a this is the biggest two This is weeks. yeah,
2: this is like your big time. I mean, you're 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 all over like college basketball writing. I mean, we see the pieces you put out. Like, those, those are more words than I've typed in the last 10 years combined. So, I'm
1: not sure that people do see those either because, like, every single day they're like, well, you can say whatever you want. It's going on cardchronicle.com. I'm like, it's not, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many times I have to explain this. Uh, Texas, I mean, just people, the audio quality is all anybody wants to talk about on the text. Can we get these mics for the podcast? Is like, this what actually Danny sounds like? <laughs> Does it
2: sound better? Hello.
1: Is this what Dan actually sounds like? I'm used to hearing him sound like he's shouting from the bottom of Mammoth Cave on the pod.
2: Yeah. We've come a long way since- uh, It's I was, part of the charm. I was going to say, we've come a long way since uh, one of our first podcasts when I was in the Nashville airport with the coughing man <laughs> just yacking up a lung during our entire podcast.
1: It was also right before uh, COVID hit, too. Oh, yeah, like, that was. Yeah, seriously. Looking back, listening to that episode two years later, is it's it's a different experience than it was at that time Oh man! back yeah. in february of 2020 um texas said i'm just going back to the podcast for yesterday i think mike got every game prediction wrong last night i'm not even <laughs> mad i'm impressed i told you I, I i think i was wrong about everything i said at the end of the show last who, night. who
2: was your final four if you don't mind me asking i
1: said it already but it's it was uh miami who's still alive that was my my sleeper pick and then arizona gonzaga and uk and i had arizona beating kentucky in the finals okay
2: gotcha yeah i had uh Uh, Gonzaga playing Villanova in the finals. And then I had um, Baylor and who was my other? Oh, Wisconsin. Jeez. yeah. I don't know. I like, I am one of the guys that falls for Wisconsin all the time. Like I picture the Wisconsin that just drubbed Louisville so bad by like 50 points. Like, that's the Wisconsin I, I picture when you get to the tournament. A team's never played like the Wisconsin style before. I'm like, oh, they're gonna have so much trouble. And then every year, it's like, oh wait, they actually can't score more than 38 points. That's no. that's gonna be a problem. This
1: year's team was that was a joke. Although I also was have not been big on Villanova all year long. I think they got a, kind of a dream draw. Like I, I can absolutely see them in the final four. I'll be shocked if they win it all. If they win it all, it's gonna be like a 2010 Duke scenario. Where you look back and you're like that team wasn't good. You know they just, what? Everybody else lost.
2: I actually disagree. I am, oh. so, I am so impressed by them. I I do agree. Like, but man, like, like they just have that system so down. It's unbelievable. I mean, like the backdoor cuts, like the box out. Like if if there is a play where like Michigan like thinks they have any avenue to the basket. Like the angles these Villanova defensive guys takes, like it's everything they do is perfect. They literally don't mess up. It's it's it is I mean, we I mean discipline. Yeah, we can sing Jay Wright's praises all day, but they're just a well-oiled machine over there. I could totally see them at least reaching the finals.
1: They're just one of those teams like that twenty ten Duke team where if they run up against somebody who has more talent than them, there's just nothing they can do. Like they just don't have like this Villanova team does not have the athletes that they had in twenty eighteen or twenty sixteen. Now, having said that they've got enough and they are so well coached so experienced so well disciplined that they're going to be in every game but they also just have gotten they haven't played anybody yet
2: yeah i mean and gillespie he gives me so much like college football comparison tebow vibes like just a guy that's not going to let you lose a game like just like an absolute college winner
1: i don't know every white cliche you can throw out i know god here we go yeah another coach on the floor (laughs) Real scrappy guy. No, I mean, it's leaves not, it all out there. A lot of heart with that guy. A lot yeah, of heart.
2: I I, did, I I liked seeing his dad in the crowd. I thought that was funny. Big ticker.
1: Did you see the Hunter Dickinson quote before the game? By the way, too. What was it? I you like... This is when I knew Michigan was in a lot of trouble. And I know your wife and, and her family are big Michigan fans. But when Hunter Dickinson came out, and he was trying to take a swipe at Iowa. I get what he was trying to oh, do. Oh yeah,
2: he said like there are more disciplined Iowa. <laughs> He's so. like there
1: are more disciplined Iowa team. Yeah. Two teams that play completely different styles like I I don't know if he was thinking about the 2018 team which played a little bit more up-tempo but I was like yeah I don't know if they do scouting reports over there at Michigan but if they do I don't think Hunter's read it yet we got to go to break we've talked for an hour here we got two more on the way we'll get to the Thornton's text line more in hour number two hit us up if you have thoughts questions comments concerns text us at 502-414-1450 we'll take your thoughts coming up here in hour number two it's the Mike Rutherford show on 1450 the Big X
0: Way to dribble up and down the court, just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like.
1: This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Hour number two of the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show right here on 1450 the Big X. We've got podcast legend, podcast icon Danny Sinard in the house today. We're taking your text on the Thornton's text line. We've been reacting to last night's Sweet 16 action. We'll have a, a couple more Louisville-centric topics this hour. Wanted to mention this. I know there's so much talk, and we dove deeply into it yesterday and really on Wednesday as well, about Kenny Payne's staff, what's it going to look like. Everybody and their uncle has heard that Nolan Smith is probably going to be a member of this staff at the assistant level whenever Duke's run in the Cincinnati tournament comes to an end. As far as the other names, a lot of guys have been floated. We've heard Milt Wagner in some form. We've heard Reese Gaines staying on in some form. One name that did get brought up, I think we mentioned him Maybe last week or two weeks ago was Yasir Rosemond from uh, Indiana, known for his recruiting prowess. And I, I think the only real concern was the last time we took a, an assistant coach from Indiana, it, uh, yeah. it, it, it didn't go great. But we just have this now from Zach Osterman, who covers IU hoops up there in Bloomington. Mike Woodson is promoting both Kenya Hunter and Yasir Roseman to associate head coach. Uh, Brian Walsh is being elevated to the open assistant spot. There had been a tweet this morning from Greg Doyle who works for the Indianapolis Star about how, you know, IU is replacing Dane Fife now. They let him go a couple of days ago, and they may have to find a replacement for Yasir Roseman because Louisville's interested in him. It sounds like that's a no go. If he's accepting this promotion, Yasir Roseman, probably a name that you can scratch off. Um, we'll see. I, I know Joel Justice, there was buzz around his name yesterday. We can hear about that. Uh, one person that I also would maybe keep an eye on. We've talked about Tim Anderson, not the White Sox player, but the coach. If that does wind up happening, and this is now we can lump all of these different topics that everybody wants to talk about together. We can, we can connect the dots here. So Tarrant Shannon, Texas Tech star, lefty, played well last night, has entered the transfer portal. He says he's keeping open the possibility of returning to Lubbock, but he doesn't want to see what options he's got. He's already heard from Michigan and Kentucky, among other schools. Louisville has not officially reached out. If Anderson were hired, he recruited Terrence Shannon to DePaul back in the day. And Shannon had committed to DePaul. He was going to go there until Anderson left the program. So there's at least a connection there. Yeah. And, and that would be, I mean, if we're looking at transfer portal names, I know we still have a long way to go. I know we're still going to get some more names in the weeks to come. Shannon might be the biggest name in there right now. He just uh, announced today. He, so.
2: he gave it to Louisville a couple years ago when we played them at the Garden um, he as did. a freshman. So, yeah, he'd be, uh, he'd be one to keep an eye on.
1: But we're still keeping ears out. We're still trying to hear who the staff's going to be. Uh, Sky Clark, all that talk, that's still out there. DJ Wagner, I'm sure we'll get into that again at some point because it's going to be a, a daily discussion here on the Mike Rutherford Show until DJ Wagner decides what, exactly what he wants to do. But we'll go to the Thornton Sex line now, 502-414-1450. Questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, we're taking them all. Uh, text, we mentioned we were talking about the weather at the beginning of the show. Uh, said, Would Kevin Harnan still be booed at Cardinal Stadium if he appeared on the Jumbotron <laughs> again? Probably. It became yeah. a thing. I, yeah. felt, I felt bad for Kevin with that whole thing. If, if you... If you don't know what we're talking about, this was when Kevin Harted, like, you know, he was being talked about a lot. He kind of had been propped up as the big weather guy in the city. And UofL would use him as their quote unquote like, official weatherman. Like, he dressed up as the Cardinal one time to go on the field. They would throw it to him for live updates during the game to give weather takes. And Kevin's not the biggest sports guy in the world. So they threw it to him during the UK UofL football game. I don't remember exactly what year it was. I think it was maybe like 2012, 2014, somewhere along there. And Kevin was like, it's great weather out here for both the red and the blue. <laughs> I forgot about that. It was a misstep. Yeah. It was an error in judgment. The the, the largely pro-Louisville crowd at Cardinal Stadium uh, let him hear about it, did not stop booing until the segment ended. And then after that, it became a thing. Like, like once something like that has happened, you're done. The, the mob has you. They're not, they're not going to change. And so every time poor Kevin would come on to do a weather update, he just got booed. <laughs> And he didn't. He didn't know why. He didn't really understand it. And I felt bad for him. But it's tradition at this point. It's like the old go cards beat Purdue thing. Once it happens once, it's going to happen forever. And if you did put Kevin back on the big screen, I think he unfortunately would probably hear it again, just out of tradition. Yeah,
2: that probably keeps him up at night. Like, gosh, what? What was I thinking, saying that at this moment? But yeah, I think weathermen they they have thick skin. Uh, you know, I, I I think they know that. They are sometimes criticized unfairly. So uh, if I'm Kevin and I'm just letting that roll off my shoulder and get back to work.
1: Now, Dan, we have a texter. We have multiple texters who do this every day. So Trevor back in the – this like three, four weeks ago started doing Wordle during the show. And people, for some reason, were fascinated with how he did. So now there are guys who will text in whenever we have a guest or anything that will just say, this person has to do Wordle. So texture says, and I know you don't do wordle. I don't. You refuse.
2: And you, I mean, we all know how it would go. Like you guys post your score. If right? like, Trevor
1: can do it, you can do it. Yeah, I believe yeah. in you. And okay. Trevor, d- Trevor gets it right most days. Poor Trevor though. I, I don't have the heart to tell him. Like he's like, I've only missed six. I'm like, most people don't miss ever. Like <laughs> I've missed, uh, I've missed one, and I'm pretty embarrassed about it. Like Trevor's like, oh, I've gotten like two in a row. I'm like, well. Trevor also just doesn't try. Like he'll he'll throw out words that he already has letters that he's used that that aren't in the word just to try to get something going. He just doesn't have the patience to play the game. Uh, Texture says, "What are the chances that you all will go into podcast mode today and just start dropping f bombs?" Higher than I'd like. Yeah, I'm. This is my big concern about today. I feel like I've got it you know, now. I've been back on the air on a daily basis for what eight months now, uh, maybe a little bit more. I can't. Yeah, who knows? I feel like I've gotten that part down. I can divide my podcast self from my radio self. I was concerned about bringing you on for this reason. Yeah. Cuz we get loose on the podcast. We, we just do. talk like we normally talk and you can't do that here.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think when we first started the podcast, the freedom that what like we were like, hey, we're on a podcast, we can say whatever we want. We kind of let the f-bombs flow all, like a little more freely at the beginning. And now that I think that our listenership has kind of picked up, um, you know, we've we, we've had even people write on our podcast page like i like i like you guys but when you say bad words or like i don't know something Deal along those, with it like, rebecca yeah, yeah seriously it's like well that's kind of what we do but um no i mean we're cordial 36 37 year old fathers i mean I, I i try not to say cuss words in some of my kids so i can go three hours and do it but is it tough yes it's tough
1: we've started having to we've reached that point where we now we have to very much watch our language at home yeah well it was a great two-year run for a while but when Virginia starts repeating stuff that's when I was like okay
2: get ready for your kids to start listening to quote-unquote like the mainstream music everyone f-bombs like even Taylor Swift f-bombs in her in her songs now so like I have Spotify and my son Cam will go on and he'll pick out music and like I mean it's f-bomb this f-bomb that and he even knows he's like oh this isn't the clean version so I don't
1: know We're, we're it sounds like a corny family, but we're we're trying to keep it PG. I'm terrified of yeah. having to deal with all that when we get older. Like my kid's gonna be the one who's teaching everybody the words. She uses them in the, like the correct context too, which is shocking. Like she'll drop a toy, oh damn it! And like yeah. I'm like, oh no, oh god. <laughs> it hasn't happened at school yet, or they just haven't told us. And I'm I'm terrified because she's dropped the S bomb a couple of times, and we're like, we don't say that. I,
2: I feel like around like ages five through eight, if they do it, they do it out of like just repeating the word and they don't know what it means. Like once they get to be like 11 and 12 and you hear him do it out of like frustration and just being mean, that's when you really got to scold them. Like I'm not getting too mad if I hear my kid just like repeat, you know, yeah. something, but later on got to get the belt out.
1: Texas, the games got back underway last night. Is it safe to assume that something horrible happened to the Rutherford family? It, well, yeah, <laughs> it has been a thing that right when I get into work mode during the NCAA tournament, just, You can't catch a break. Like, like awful things have happened. Like, like the the power going out last week was terrible.
2: I kind of need a bigger synopsis of Of what happened last night. Yeah, with living with Virginia and Glenn over the weekend.
1: Well, it was just one night. Okay, one night. And I ended up staying up till 4 a.m. working. And just when I found out the power had come back on at 3.30, just drove back over to the house by myself to check on Penny and sleep there for three hours. But last night, during the, the kids were still awake. So it was during the first half of Duke, Arkansas. And I'm kind of focused. I'm holding John, actually, because John was crying. and Mary was getting Virginia ready to go to sleep. And I hear this happens pretty frequently. Like Penny will get – we live in, like, the freaking wild west back there. She'll get possums and rabbits and raccoons, and she'll corner them. And, like, yeah. she has a different bark when, I, when something's, like, in our yard. And I can always tell. And she had that bark last night. And oh, I was man. Like, and usually I can go out there, and she's got, like, a possum cornered. And I'll just grab her and pull her away and carry her inside. But last night, I'm holding John, so I've got to yell for Mary to come get John. i got to put on my shoes so I don't get out there as quickly as I usually do. And I hear Penny. She's got it. And I, like, it's, like, groaning. It's hissing. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. I run out there. The possum, like, sneaks somehow, like, <laughs> under the fence to get back into our neighbor's yard. Penny, like, sticks her face through the fence, though, and that's when I hear it. Like, Penny just starts screaming, like, squealing. Like, oh, she's man. been hurt. And I'm like, oh, my God. I've never ben, heard her make this noise. So, so I'm freaking out. I pick her up. I see blood right away. I'm holding her like Mary's like how bad is it I'm like I don't know I'm like yeah I'm like just like sprinting inside I'm like leave me alone right now my dog may be dying we get her inside she's got she's bleeding on the floor she's like the the, the possum or the, I actually didn't even see if it was a possum it could have been a raccoon I'm assuming it was a possum because raccoons are way meaner and do more damage but I think she'd gotten clawed in her nose or bitten in her nose and she was bleeding from there she had a bite mark on her one of her hind legs and she was fine yeah. But it was just, like, just one more thing. Like, I'm, I'm getting cleaned up. And, of course, like, Virginia's freaking out because she loves Penny and she's worried about Penny. And we're trying to, like, downplay it and stuff. But it was – I mean, just – we can't have one normal night. The kids slept well last night for the first time in ages. We can't, we can't have one normal night in this house.
2: That's tough. And I feel like my thing is – my kids, they, they usually sleep through the night fine. But um, my youngest, Mallory, who is going to be two in May – if she does wake up, it's, like, always if there's, like, a minute to go in one of, like, the close games. It's, like, Arizona, TCU, down to the wire. And, like, all of a sudden, like, my monitor just, like, lights up. I'm, like, come on, please. Let me happened just last get night. through this. Yeah.
1: She did sleep. I had, only had to go in there one night, which for us is, like, a a huge thing. But she started crying with, like, Two and a half minutes left in the the last game, Arizona Houston, and this is when Arizona had they looked like they were making their last run. They got it down to six, and I'm like, okay, this could be interesting. And it's like, Daddy, yeah, yeah. where are you, Daddy? I'm like, oh my god,
2: yeah, that's that's like the worst, like. You hear that monitor so many times, like when you go to bed at night. Like you're like, am I hearing like some? I hear my kids all the time. Yeah, but I'm like, oh wait, that's just the fan. Never mind.
1: I hear the 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 fake like when they're not in the house. Like I hear Virginia yelling out for me. I'm like, oh my god. God, we're sad. It's yeah. This is this is old dad radio. We're we're both washed. Texted. Would you rather have Mark View or John Calipari?
2: I mean, obviously Mark View. Mark (laughs) View.
1: Yeah. Zero hesitation. I can't
2: even. There's really nothing to add to that. Um, You know, I'm not. Saying I'm a proponent of DUIs, but Mark
1: View. just <laughs> uh, says this was about, this is in relation to the uh, Gonzaga, and I'm going to have to edit this a little bit. They play in a week, they play a week conference slate <laughs> and get top seeds, while our 2005 Final Four season, we played in a conference slate no worse and probably a bit better than the WCC and got a four seed. That and their fans, when they tried to say they were a better program than UofL a year or two ago, they can. I can't say that last part. The four
2: seed was the biggest misseeding maybe in the history of the time. We were number three in the AP poll. That was, that was a travesty. Like, I, I still – like, even though we made the final four, I think I'm still upset about that we got a four seed that
1: year. You know I feel really bad for is Lorenzo Romar. <laughs> he got yeah. screwed.
2: Yeah, seriously. He's probably like, all right, just – playing the four seed coming out next thing you know otis george is just dropping all of his players with screens in the middle of the floor
1: i went back and read a bunch of the the game articles and the interviews uh, when i was doing i did a chapter in my book about the the 05 run i don't know if lorenzo romar actually watched us play before that game like his quote, you can see why it didn't work out great for lorenzo after that year like he was he's like He's like, we weren't expecting them to shoot that much from the outside. I was like, that's all that team did. We had like five shooters. We just took threes every single game. But he's he's like, they were the world one seed. Like we had two one seeds in this region. I'm like, well, I feel bad for you. But also like if you weren't prepared for our outside shooting, what were you doing?
2: Yeah, I mean, they
1: had Brain and Roy, so, I mean... Nate Robinson, they were were good. Yeah, they had some talent. The difference between seeding then and now, though, at least now, you can disagree with the system they have in place, but at least they have a system in place. Like, they have this quadrant system. They use more analytics, more ranking systems than just the RPI. Back in the day, it was just like, we're guessing. Like, like, if you've got a problem with it, what are you going to do? Like, the RPI was the only metric they used. The RPI sucked. It was already outdated in 05. So, I wasn't... I wasn't surprised that we weren't a one seed. I thought we had an outside shot at a two, but we would definitely be, be a three. If you could have seen the reaction at our apartment <laughs> my sophomore year at Dayton, yeah. I mean, you would have thought they just banned us from the tournament. Like, like, I think Weber, like, threw a beer against the wall. He's like, what? Yeah. I mean, we just, we flipped out. Not really. And then when you looked at the actual bracket, it wasn't a terrible draw for us. It worked out pretty well um i think the thing we were pissed off was we had georgia tech in right. the second round. yeah and they
2: were a show of their former national runner-up selves that year
1: yeah they you know, luke shensher couldn't do it all couldn't do it alone couldn't do everything by himself yeah
2: um yeah, god i'm trying to think of, Did they still have jared jack that year or did he go pro the year before anyway so i think
1: they had they had him they had ishmael muhammad okay like, yeah. they were still pretty good yeah I'm but we to, just blitzed them
2: yeah will bind them um yeah, no, that was, a, that was like, a like DL, one of the more fun Louisville games to watch. And oh, my like God. Everyone that said they went was, like, it was just an unbelievable atmosphere. Like, Louisville completely took over Nashville.
1: If you go um, back, that full game is on YouTube. If you go back and just watch the first segment, it's, like, the most fun. Like, we come out and we hit our first four shots. Three of them are threes. And yeah. they're, like, deep. Like And the place is just going nuts. We're up 12-2 in the, in the blink of an eye. It's awesome. Well, that's
2: because we hadn't had tournament success in so long. It had been, like since 1997 yeah. so you're looking at about eight years of us doing anything in the tournament you know we we win the first round game against lafayette which we almost lost real close. Uh, yeah real close and then it just seems like i don't know rick just kind of took the shackles off and let us let our guys play loose so um i don't know i think it was a combination of uh the fans hadn't experienced that sort of success in a while plus I think we were anxious coming from Conference USA to play the quote unquote big boys in like the big conferences. So we're like, all right, national runner up, ACC, Georgia Tech, let's see what we got. And obviously, uh, you know, what a fun ride that was.
1: Yeah, we hadn't been to the second weekend since 97, like you said. But also, you know, Tech was the trendy pick in our region going into that, that tournament. Like they were, everybody was picking them. They'd been to the title game the year before. They just, I think they'd gone to the ACC championship game and lost to Duke. And so like everybody was talking about them. Like they're, they're hitting their stride at the right time. Like they're, they're primed for a run. And so that made that game feel like it was more than just like a second round game. People were, were juiced up. It so was awesome.
2: funny story about that. I watched that. I was at the red spring training down in Sarasota. So I watched that in Sarasota and I flew back the next day and on my flight back, I think, I don't know where I connected from, but Tom George was on my flight. I think I must've connected um, Atlanta. I don't know where. And, he was in first class, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Tom. So I walked up, and I was like, Tom, congrats on the win. Like, he had the most, like, somber look on his face. He's like, thanks. Well, then I land, and I realized, like, that same day, his son, Mark, who played on the baseball team, had just taken a fastball to the eye uh. and, like, ended up, like, having to get, like, surgery and and something on that line. So I think I caught Tom at a bad time. But, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm like, Once again. Yeah. I'm like, Tom, all right,
1: whoo, here we go. <laughs> like thank you my kids in surgery <laughs> yeah seriously the sorry. dan timing strikes one more time sorry tom uh texas says just be a pro and release the show as three podcasts yeah all right we could do that texas dan needs to be a regular it's like a podcast the text line yeah. all right. Texas, i'm sure you touched on it already but what do both of you think the adidas nil announcement could mean for L football and basketball i brought this up yesterday just to say i've got no idea and i don't think that anybody else really does if you go out there and read like, it sounds like it's going to be a good thing for UofL, the fact that Adidas is putting all this money into NIL and that they're the first apparel company to do this. And they're going to basically, if you're an Adidas athlete of any sport, you qualify for this amount of money. But details are few and far between with this thing. Like, is it going to be everybody gets 50 bucks for putting a tweet out and saying, Love my new Adidas? Shoes like three stripe, like, the, the, we don't exactly know what they're going to do. Are they going to get involved in recruiting? Like, are they going to be out there and say, Hey, here's $1.2 million for Pierce Clarkson to come to Louisville and play quarterback? I, I don't think so, but it seems like some, it's certainly not a bad thing. It, it, I just wish that we were doing more, and maybe we are behind the scenes. I, I've heard a few things here and there, but I wish we were more ahead of the curve when it comes to NIL stuff ourselves because. Yeah. It's like we said all the right things when this became legal. Vince Tyra had the statement prepared. The coaches put out their own statements. Like we certainly were ready on social media, but it sounds like behind the scenes there's been a little bit of infighting. There's been a little bit of, you know, should we do a collective? Should we not do a collective? Who do we trust? Who do we not trust? Like, and at the end of the day, like we haven't gotten our star athletes the type of endorsement deals that we're seeing for some of the other big schools. Even the ones in this general area.
2: Yeah, I would love to see – like, that would be a good thing to see behind the scenes is maybe some of the the, the athlete or player jealousy that goes on over some of the NIA deals that maybe they didn't get. Like, Sidney Curry's, like, opening his, like, 10th, you know, shoebox of Yeezys and, like, Matt Cross gets <laughs> – it's like a snow globe with the Adidas logo in there. He's like, oh, thanks. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm sure there's, like, you know – and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of – I mean – A lot of the transfers, I'm sure, they're chasing this NIL money as
1: as quick as they can, so they're they're going where the green is. Like the Adidas press release, I'm looking at it now. Their bullet point points like don't actually say anything. Like you know, they're like Adidas is the first major sports brand to enact a wide sweeping equitable and inclusive name image likeness network. It's like marked by the 50th anniversary of Title IX. The NIL brand is rooted in the brand's commitment to creating more equitable future in sports. Like okay, uh, details. What what are we doing here? It's like. Candace Parker and Billie Jean King support the brand in going forward. And then like, there's just – there are – there's no sense of what this is actually going to do. I'm glad they're getting involved. I'm glad they're doing something. I wish we knew what the hell they were actually doing, though.
2: Yeah, I think the whole NIL thing, it's going to take a couple years to really digest and see the overall impact of what it has done on college sports. Like, I think – I'm not saying it's not impacting it right now, but – it's it's so much unknown um at least to the public that it's hard to really judge you know who's taking advantage of it and who you know what teams are benefiting what teams aren't i mean you hear stories about like the nil money that they have down in texas and Uh, apparently paying eight
1: million dollars to
2: a kid who's a junior in high school right and uh, i mean again you hear this stuff trickle out but I, i i think once we see kind of where we are on a college landscape in three to four years, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to really judge.
1: I I, I mean, yeah, like, like these collectives, they're so secretive and their records aren't public. There's this report that basically Tennessee is paying $8 million to get a commitment from a class of 2023 quarterback. And nobody can confirm whether or not this is true, whether or not it's just speculation, the Tennessee people are denying it and I mean, I mentioned the other yesterday. We were talking about the roster and who's going to stay, who's going to go. We brought up the comments made by L. Ellis and Dre Davis and Jalen Withers, and I, I mentioned that there's been some scuttle that Sidney Curry is being pursued by other programs, and their big pitch is nil deals. Like you can get all this nil money here. We've got this deal, that deal, whatever deal. Come play for us, and that he's kind of been at least a little bit swayed. He's been he's being he's considering this, and I think you know. We have a a lot of money here, at least relative to the rest of the college basketball world. Maybe not as much as we had a few years ago, but we still have cash. It's a big city without a pro sports team, a major pro sports team. How can we not compete in something like this? Like, if if you're a local businessman with a lot of money and you believe in Sidney Curry, how do we not have somebody stepping up and being like, I don't care what Arkansas is offering you. I'm just throwing that name out there. I don't know if that's one of the schools that's contacted him. We're going to, we'll match. We'll give you whatever you want and more. There are more fans here. It's a bigger city, more businesses, more people who care about UFL sports than virtually any college sports city out there. Right. He's not going anywhere because of this. If he leaves, it ain't going to be because he's getting more money somewhere else. And yet that doesn't seem to be the case right now.
2: Yeah. And I think one of the biggest draws to Louisville when you like hear it in a public landscape is we're one of the bigger cities without a pro sports team. Like we are the pro sports team. So now with NIL on the table, you know, Now's the chance to actually treat our players like they're on a pro sports team. And, you know, you hope that comes to fruition. I mean, you hear Josh Hurd talk in the media about it. It seems like he is, you know, he wants to do what is right. He wants to get, you know, the players what they deserve, um, which is basically the opposite of what we heard from Mitch Barnhart at UK when it was first presented. So I think we do have that
1: going for us. Well, and yet they're due to get the ones that
2: exactly, got the money. Exactly. So I don't know. It, it, there's you can talk all you want, but I think now the players are like, Well, we need to see it actually.
1: Seriously. I mean I mean we yeah, we were thumping our chest over how much more prepared we were than they are, and yet we're like, Well, Malik Cunningham, he's got some planet fitness billboards. You're like, Oh really? Kellen Grady's riding a horse in the Derby. Yeah. Like, like they've got, like <laughs> everything they're doing. Ty Ty Washington's driving a Corvette or yeah. Ferrari or whatever it is to class every single day. Like, can we not match any of these people? And they're like half of them are deals through Louisville dealerships.
2: It's like Mari from Goodfellas. He's like, I'm wearing the same suit. I'm wearing the same suit in the air. <laughs> it's like, oh man, two yeah.
1: Goodfellas references in less than an hour. All and right, half. We're, we're here. We're off here. and running. We're, and we're off and running. We're feeling good. Uh, Texas says Gillespie is definitely the quote first guy at the gym and the last one to leave. Yeah, that's another good one. Another yeah. good cliche. Yeah. I, I I do love the the sports riders who will be like last first one out here getting up shots and it's always somebody who sucks like I, I like it, this year for us it was like Matt Cross first guy out here I'm like ooh, he's ready for a big game like Matt Cross 0 of seven from the floor I was gonna say was I fell
2: I fell for it like hook line and sinker I I mean
1: I'm still waiting for Matt Cross to be good I still think it's gonna happen yeah just I, probably not here probably
2: probably. A- Tough tournament for him to watch Miami marching on to the Sweet Sixteen. Like a lot of team like, chemistry, a lot of team chemistry. <laughs> They're uh, like these
1: guys just love each other. Yeah,
2: and I don't, I don't want to turn this. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, sorry,
2: we we do like Matt Cross. He's not listening. Yeah, it's
1: it's okay. Okay. Texas Kevin was met with a squall of booze. Yeah, the squall continuing yeah. to be a theme. Um, Texas instead of asking who will be on the staff, what would your dream staff, excluding Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan, be?
2: Well, I mean. I don't know enough about, like, you probably know more about the assistant game than I do. Like, I would have to go back and see, like, who some of these assistants have worked with and recruited. Um, You know, like, you can, when you get on Twitter and you see, like, oh, this guy, you know, you can kind of read from, like, good men or, like, who the hot assistants are. So, I wouldn't know enough about that off the top of my head.
1: Not Tim Fuller. Not Not Jordan. Jordan Not Jordan Fair. Yeah.
2: Some of these guys have been wrong on a lot of dudes, Um, but...
1: I mean, I liked – if he hadn't had the background at Kansas, I would really like Jaren's Howard coming here. I feel good about Nolan Smith coming here. I feel fine with Milt Wagner being on staff in some capacity because I want his grandson to play for, for my favorite team. That would be nice. I, I'm trying to think of who –
2: like, Who's your Phil Martelli or, or like, who's your X's the and O's? Like, I don't really – I mean, besides Steve Lavin, who would you <laughs> hire? Manning. <laughs> yeah.
1: The other thing about like when you look at like the all these rankings of who the the hot assistant names are, we've had a lot of these guys. Like Luke Murray was on all those lists a few yeah. years ago, and he came here, and we didn't exactly reap the benefits of having a guy like that. Tommy Lloyd was another guy who was on those lists, and obviously he's made it as a big time head coach. I'm trying to think of names like, like Trevor. thrown out the idea of Ernie Kent a couple of times, just because you know, Kenny Payne worked for him when he was at Oregon. He was the head coach out there, and I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Ernie. i mean he had a good run at oregon back in the day did not have a good run at washington state more recently but how many like, like i mean john Belon obviously is the dream like that's that's the ideal former coach currently not doing anything guy to get on your bench yeah but i don't think it's realistic
2: i know especially with the comments kenny payne made about how like when someone asks him what kind of style of play is he's gonna have it seems like he, is, he doesn't want to be too hands-on. He's, he wants to let the players kind of play themselves. And I'm not saying Beeline doesn't do that, but Beeline and maybe more of a system guy than maybe what Kenny Payne's looking for. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what the timeline is to fill out a staff, but I know one as a fan. I'm certainly anxious because I think everyone wants to get recruiting and everyone keeps seeing these, you know, uh, people decommitting or people transferring, and they're like, oh man, we're involved, we're involved. I mean, but the truth is, like, we we really don't have any idea on most of it yet. Um, I, I would guess until we get a staff. I'm not saying Kenny's not doing anything, but uh, having a staff in place will certainly stabilize things.
1: A texture asked about Joel Justice, and yeah, that's been out there a little bit, but the, all, like, I'm fine with Joel Justice. Obviously, he has a pre existing relationship with Kenny Payne, and You know he has relationships with recruits that are out there. I wouldn't like all of the eye rolling from Kentucky fans. Like you're just taking all of our guys now. Like that'd be, it's one thing to have Kenny Payne who played here and has direct ties to the university and bringing him back home, even with him being a a assistant coach and associate head coach at Kentucky for the better part of a decade. If you're bringing more guys like that, then then I, I think it starts to become. I don't know. Yeah. A little bit weird. Like, that's the, I'd be okay with it, but it's the one thing. Texas, it's F bomb Friday. Let them fly, boys. Well, (laughs) you can pay our FCC fines. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. Texas, hey, Mike, sorry I missed this, but who is the former IU assistant you keep mentioning? Um, Not former. Yesir Roseman is the current IU assistant that's been brought up a few times, and he, um, has just been promoted to associate head coach.
2: I think you—he was referencing Kenny Johnson. Oh, Kenny John. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. the the one that I said
1: the last time we got yeah, it. Is- uh-huh. Yeah, that was Kenny Johnson. Which, if you believe one theory for what happens, because there is some, there's still a lot of, it's still the weirdest thing. At some point in time, and maybe I'll have to do this my damn self. Somebody needs to write the the official book about how the Katina Powell thing came to pass, because. There's so much there, or or we
2: could just not write that
1: book and move on. But I want to know how this happened, like, like because there's so much there that doesn't add up. She was contacted by somebody. We still don't know how this happened. To hit up this publishing company that didn't exist on the internet in any way, shape, or form back in this day, IBJ Publishing, which was launched by a group of IU graduates, and the theory for a long time has been. Louisville going and getting Kenny Johnson, taking him away from IU when IU was kind of, they were starting to get it rolling a little bit under Tom Crean. They were getting a lot of recruits. He was starting to hit the ground. Like they were producing, they were winning Big Ten championships. They just weren't getting it done in the NCAA tournament. And Kenny Johnson was the primary guy getting them dudes. And we went and gave him a million dollars to come here and coach for us. And it pissed off IU. I know that for a fact. Did it piss them off enough to to launch this and work with some of our other friends to the east to make this happen? That's kind of been the theory for a long time, but if we don't, if we just stay away from Kenny Johnson, maybe Rick Pitino is still the head coach here.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're taking me back to a dark place, I know, like when we I were know. having those conversations about what was it, IMG Publishing or whoever it was called, IBJ. Yeah, IBJ. Geez, like that seems like, well, I want to say it seems like yesterday, but I mean, we're 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 going back a little bit, but. Uh, i'm glad that is at least behind us and we're hopefully almost out of the woods on the old iarp just waiting any day now come on down anytime we are here i'm ready all right bring it on bring it on let's go
1: whenever you're ready the front door is unlocked yeah just let us know what's going on takes it ideas for kenny payne's Phil martelli thad mata john thompson the third well thad also is currently working on i use that i don't know what jt is jt3 doing anything
2: Uh, He's probably – knowing him, he's probably involved with Georgetown in some capacity. Um, But I couldn't tell you a firm answer for that. But, um,
1: yeah, I mean – I bet he's doing something in the NBA.
2: I think it'll be interesting to see which coaches are ultimately fired at the end of this year. Um, Maybe there's one that, you know, might fit in um, on the bench. But I don't know. Like, I – you know, we haven't talked about like we haven't really got to discuss Kenny Payne too much since we haven't had a podcast since he's been hired. But I am like, we, I, t- I said if we hire this guy, like, even though he wasn't my number one choice, I am going to be on board. Like, I will get on the Kenny train bandwagon. Uh. And I don't want to say like I was completely wrong that I should have had him my number one choice, but. The reaction and kind of the excitement that has been brought in the first two weeks, like, and I know he hasn't coached a game, obviously, but I'm maybe I have been wrong. I mean, it, it has just been an overall just, I don't know, like I don't know a word for it, but just 100% positive reaction around not just the program, but the city itself. Um, I, I may have underestimated that part. Uh, again, do want to see him coach. But as of right now, everything he said in the press conference was, I mean, he knocked it out of the park. I think he was very humble. You can see why he's a likable guy. And I'm just like everyone else. Like, I'm so excited for to kind of get this train going and see who he brings on staff, what players he's recruiting. Um, So... Yeah, I'm on the Kenny Kenny train here.
1: Yeah, I mean these are the this is the part that you knew was going to go well. That, that yep. you were going to have the good vibes, having all the former players back. But it even went better. Like I, if, I think so Expe- talking about it and experiencing it are yeah. two different things. Like you, it's, it's one thing to know that this guy is going to hit all the right notes when he gets here and that he's going to bring former players back into the fold and that you know people are going to have you know, the, the fans who watched him play here at Louisville are going to have all these positive emotions, but when it, you actually experience it it's different and it, it hits you in a way that you can't really simulate when you're preparing for it. This is like, this is great. I, I love it. And I, I've been saying this since before we even like fought, like let go of Chris Mack or parted ways with Chris Mack. The best case scenario for Louisville basketball is Kenny Payne's the guy and he kills it because he's one of your own. According to everybody in any basketball circle, he's one of the nicest human beings alive. Like all, you don't have to be the nicest dude in the world for me to cheer for you. Like we've had some a hole coaches who I've supported because they're the Louisville coach. And if they're getting it done, we want to win games, but does it help or does it add to the experience when this, the person who's running the show seems genuinely likable, somebody that you would hang out with and and enjoy being around. Sure. Of course. It's if he kills it here, it's the best, best of both worlds. We got to get there though. Like, like, at some point, because right now we're all excited about every time there's a hot guy pop uh, phrase that <laughs> wrong, <laughs> a, hot that one. Yeah, yeah. That uh, a hot name popping up in the transfer portal. Cut that one. Yeah, you saved that clip. A hot name popping up in the transfer portal, a recruit that's decommitted who's got a five star next to his name. Like every little fan, we th- we're think we're thinking. Like I do it. Like well, I'm like, we can go get this. Guy. Everyone Let's is make it happen.
2: Everyone is dreaming about first year John Calipari Kentucky. That's what they have in their head. The John Wall Demarcus Cousins year, where they just turned the program around on an absolute dime. And they were the program in college basketball. Like they were the it program, the cool program. Plus they were good all freshmen. And I think that that's what fans have in their head. I hope they're not expecting that, but I think that's like the dream that they have. So I, do I think it's going to be that? No, I still think we have too much probably hanging over our head at this point, And there's too much unknown, especially with the IARP stuff. Um, but it's nice to think about. It's exciting yeah. to have those dreams. But and the
1: difference there is those guys aren't available right now. Like they are in the 2023 class, but yeah. Calipari got there at a weird time where he was able to flip some guys, and then he could bring John Wall, the number one overall player. But the they finance. also
2: they didn't have the transfers that we're probably going to have this exactly. Year. Like the transfers is going to be a game changer for sure. That's so. what I was about
1: to say because it's it's obviously dreaming about 29, 2009, 2010, Kentucky is. You understand why you would do it, right? I'm kind of dreaming more about like last year's Kentucky team minus the way they played in the NCAA tournament. They win nine games. They have a roster that's the wrong kind of transfers. The freshman they brought in didn't click. And Cal Perry goes out, gets the right guys, the right combination of incoming freshmen and the right transfers. And bam, like we all know how it ended, but they still were a two seed. Like I would, if we get the right type of transfers, keep the right guys from last year's roster, develop them accordingly, and then bring in. Like some guys who can help us out immediately, we could be competitive next year. Again, this is all a big assumption, which is that the NCA stuff is not going to just drill us.
2: I think it's even bigger than that, though. Like, even though Kentucky had a nice team this year, kind of the shine of the program, I feel like, has worn off since that two thousand nine opening year. Like, there was just so much newness with like the freshman, the John Wall, and like you said, I know like that that's not out there currently, but. Just the way that they took college basketball by storm and said, Hey, we're a blue blood and we're back. Like, I think that's that's what Louisville fans are expecting us to just kind of take the college basketball world by storm and say, Hey, we've been down for four or five years. This is never going to happen again. You know, when we get it rolling, we're one of the top teams in the country at all times. So, um, again, that's a lot to put on Kenny's shoulders. I know he has a lot of work, you know,
1: cut out for him, but. Uh, I you know, if we're not the number one team in the country next year, <laughs> this guy's out of here. Yeah, you're done. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, start I, calculate that buyout. I, this is
2: such just. I can't even believe I'm asking because this is such like a new kid on the microphone question. But like, without knowing anything, do you think Louisville makes the tournament next year?
1: I tell you what, I, we're, we're overdue for a break. Okay, we'll answer that question coming back oh that is a radio teaser you know it hey welcome to the biz dan we'll have a short segment coming up we'll wrap up hour number two it's the mike rutherford show on the big x y'all
0: ready for this
2: welcome back to the mike rutherford show
1: on the big x sports radio all
0: right we'll have a short
1: segment here to wrap up hour number two danny Sennard with me in studio today podcast legend check out the card chronicle podcast uh, wherever you can find podcasts don't look at the most recent ep- episode because it was like three weeks ago at this point <laughs> we're we are, still alive i promise we are struggling the home field apparel folks are like you guys ever going to do an ad read for us again come on uh we'll try we'll get there hopefully we can do next week i love the texture this is a uh a texture just comes in it's like i'll answer for you guys no louisville will not be in the 2023 ncaa tournament
2: it's an impossible question to answer. I know. That's why I feel like such an amateur even asking But, it, but, but you're, not, to, you're not the first about. person to bring it up. Yeah.
1: And Trevor, I mean, tre- Trevor has no hesitation to say he thinks we're going to be right back in the mix next year. We're going to the tournament. People have. I think the more fair question to ask, and it's still an unfair one, is should that be the bar? Should that be what determines a successful or an unsuccessful first season for Kenny Payne? And so much of it just depends on the roster construction. I mean, we've got now. Guy texted in saying Louisville's going to have 30 players to their team. If you look at Twitter, yeah. I mean, every guy that becomes available, we're like we're going after him. Every kid that decommits, we're going after him. We're getting Sky Clark. We're getting everybody. Like we're going to have, we're bringing back everybody from last year's team as well. I I need to know who's coming back. I need to know who's coming in. I need to make sure. I mean, Kamari Lance has said all the right things. We we have to make sure we actually get him on campus. I'd love to add another high-profile player from the 2022 class, whether that's Sky Clark or somebody else, or Sky Clark and somebody else, and then I want to see what transfers we get. There is an opportunity to build your roster. The tough thing for Kenny Payne and whoever he brings on his staff right now is you can't fully sell these kids on a guarantee that we're going to be able to even eligible for the next year's NCAA tournament because the timeline with the IARP, at least at the moment, if they follow the timeline that they had with NC State, we know when our hearing is going to be. If it's the same time amount of time between the NC State hearing and when they actually got their punishment or their ruling, whatever you want to say, we'll find out what we get from all of this in October. It's going to be right before the start of the season. So you can't go to a kid who's in the transfer portal in May or June and say, don't worry about what other programs are telling you. Don't worry about the negative recruiting. We're going to be in March Madness. We're going to be available. Come here and find out. Can't say that. And yeah. I think that... That has an effect on who you're able to get in the transfer portal. You could say that last year, and it's why it's part of why last season was so disappointing was because you knew that whatever happened with the NCAA was not going to affect our status for the 2022 tournament. You should have been – we were free to do whatever we wanted to for at least one season. Yeah. You can't make those promises now. Yeah. And so I can't – I feel like it's unfair to say Kenny Payne has to make the tournament in his first year for it to be a success.
2: I, I wish we could go back and – I hate comparing everything um, to the Rick Patino era. It's um, natural, though. I wish we could go back to his first year and be like, man, are we a little disappointed that we're in the NIT? Because I don't think we were Nobody from was. what I remember. I think it was like, okay, like, you know, the style of play was changed. Like, obviously our guys were playing harder. Um, I, I kind of like where this is headed, but I don't think anyone was overly disappointed. Um, we had some great moments, obviously, the Tennessee game, the NIT, the NIT game, where everyone was slipping all over like an ice rink. Um, but I think that it, I think he kind of put the foundation in place the first year. So as, if I see that from Kenny Payne, like the foundation is there, the style that he wants to play is there, and maybe we just don't get the results that we want and we end up making the NIT. I, I could live with that. Same. Um, but there is a part of me like, you know, and we hear it from everyone now with transfers, it's easier to turn around a program. Maybe maybe Kenny, you know, is able to do that a little quicker than Rick just because of some of the players that he's afforded that maybe Rick couldn't get his hands on right away. But I don't know. It'll be interesting once it comes. Um, Either way, like, I'm not going to be the guy that's, like, tournament or bust. Like, that's just – I feel like that's just putting too much on him year one.
1: I think it'll also – I think the – because you're right. Rick's first year, we've been so bad the year before, and we really didn't change. Like, he brought in – we, we thought that Carlos Hurt and Brandon Bender were going to be the future of the program, right? right? And they're both off the team before we even get to the second semester. So it's basically all the same guys from the year before. And to see them play with such renewed like enthusiasm and energy and to just look more competent than we would looked a year before. And we beat some good teams down the stretch. We actually got sort of on the, the bubble discussion at the end I of the year. That, yeah. I remember there was talk because we played Marquette in the USA tournament quarterfinals with Dwayne Wade. And he killed us, like always. But there was talk that if we won that game, like we were going to be a legit threat to be an at-large team, and it didn't happen, and we had the NIT run, and we were fine because we got a glimpse of what things were going to be. We knew recruiting was going to pick up, and it didn't. The next year, we were a four-seed in the NCAA tournament. If we have that same thing, that same type of phenomenon this year where it just looks like better basketball, they're just better to follow, but we don't have the talent level because we can't get guys from the portal because nobody knew if we were going to be eligible for the tournament, but we know that on the back burner we've got DJ Wagner committed. Yeah. We've got some 2020 uh, – Caleb Glenn's coming. Some other top 20 kids from this class are coming. I think then whatever happens next year is going to be met with like sort of a an understanding from the fan base that this is okay. This, this isn't what the standard's going to be. Better days are ahead. Look at what we've got coming in next year. Yeah. I think that's fine.
2: And, I, I mean, I think Kenny Payne comes with the reputation, obviously, like – I'm not saying he can't coach, we just don't know. But he comes as, uh, with the reputation as a recruiter, so I think that's the fans' expectation. Is all right, well, you know, he's in place now, so let's let's see him put like his special trait kind of to task here. But, um, it, with what he's gonna have hanging over him, if he's able to overcome all that, and then we just go gangbusters as far as getting transfers and five star recruits like year one i mean geez, the sky's the limit of what we could do in the future so um yeah i don't know it's it's always fun to talk about the unknown just because like we have no idea we're just we're just playing out scenarios in our head um because we haven't seen it yet but
1: um what if we just got no recruits yeah i know it's like (laughs) it's like well the number 121 player in the 2023 class is louisville's own commit josh nickelberry's transferring back it's like that's all we got
2: (laughs) it's like (laughs) ucla wins the national championship (laughs) mick cronin's a hero Uh, He's throwing uh, L's down, like, on the (laughs) stage with Jim Nance. Yeah. Well? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you hear it, like, Twitter is a whole different world, but I just feel like the buzz you hear on Twitter, I'm more optimistic about getting some big names in here um, than maybe I was uh, when just Kenny Payne's name was being thrown around as a possible head coaching, you know, candidate.
1: Trevor has now seen that you're on the show and he has tweeted out and just says, if podcast Trevor walks through this door, he will kill radio. Trevor, a Trevor divided against itself. Cannot stand <laughs> Uh text line. Texture says fire. Trevor hire Dan.
2: Oh, Trevor. No, I, I, I like Trevor. I don't want that to happen. For text sure. says,
1: sorry, I just joined. Is this Danny S on the show? No bleeping way. It is. Text says Danny, Mike, please ask Danny to bring up the story behind his utter fear of eating Doritos. Oh no. I've been thinking that this could be an epic Dan, the dump story. This is Brandon from the Owl Creek crew back in the day.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, shout out. That's awesome. Um so, yeah, Doritos uh not Not my big thing. I think everyone that is close to me knows this. I had a bad experience as a kid eating too many Doritos and, like, for whatever reason.
1: You got hazed when you were pledging a fraternity with Doritos. And it almost caused you to, like, that was your breaking point.
2: Yeah, like, people dumped open bag of Doritos on me and stuck American Craft singles in my face because they knew that I absolutely detested both of those things. Like, Doritos, I can't even, like, if I smell a bag of Doritos, I get nauseous and, like, no one told you when you have kids, like they don't care. Like my my kid, like he's like, oh Doritos. I'm like, don't you? If you even think about bringing those in the car, you're walking home 20 miles. But, um, yeah, definitely not. Doritos make me sick. There, I have a Why? couple of food for. The smell of them are just. Is it? J- did you get sick on them? Yeah, like, I got sick. As kid? Yeah, as, as okay. a kid, I got sick on them, and like now I just get oh, they're disgusting. Especially the Cool Ranch. C- I,
1: I, get them out of here. You want to hear the saddest story you're gonna hear today? Yeah. Let's so you know, it. like along the same lines. Whenever you get sick, violently ill from yeah. your stomach bug, like the most recent thing you ate sticks with you. E- even if that thing didn't trigger whatever you, you know. What, what So when I had that really really bad stomach bug uh, a few weeks ago, like it w- went through our whole family. Like I, I lost eight pounds in two days. Like I, I was hey glad I, saw, I was gonna say like I saw a number on the scale I hadn't seen in, like five years. <laughs> Don't recommend the diet. But so the last thing that I had eaten before I got violently ill was a, I'd thrown a Reese's cup in the in the freezer and eaten a frozen Reese's cup. Like, the thought of Reese's cups. I love Reese's cups. So much. I can't do it right now. Oh, man.
2: That's, I'm I'm that's hoping tough. I
1: can work my way past this. I don't want this to be a situation. I mean, you know this. I can't drink bourbon, like, all that much because oh, yeah. of a terrible—like, New Year's Eve uh, 2005. I was 19 years old. Had an awful experience being young and dumb. And, it, like, I loved bourbon up until that point. I can't drink it the way I'd like to now yeah. because of one night. And now I'm worried, am I ever going to love Reese's Cups again?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think anyone, we could all go down our horror stories of alcohol that maybe we've had one or too many cocktails or straight pulls to the face. But um, <laughs> we're 36 and we're dads, so we don't do that anymore. Right, guys? All right, right. right, guys. Break.
1: <laughs> Texas says, at least Dan got Tom's name right when he met him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, Texas says, okay, here we go. We've been dying to talk about this. Who's going to win the Dell match play? Whoa! Well, oh,
2: that's so funny. We've been talking about it off break. I'll let you handle this one because you made the pick.
1: Fans of the podcast know that we spend way too much time talking about our fantasy golf picks. We, Dan and I have a—we we co-manage a team in this league every single year. We're awful at it. But you get to pick one golfer every single week. You can only pick the, the same golfer one time per season. Uh, majors, you get double the points. Basically, you get whatever their winnings are per tournament. And whoever has the most winnings at the end of the season wins the pool. So we are bad at this. But we talk about it on the podcast way more than anybody cares about. And now <laughs> yeah. we're doing it on the radio show. Yeah. But my pick this week, and I selected Kevin Kisner. And not a hobby, folks. Yeah. Our, the, the, our, the friends that we have that are also in this league were very mean about this they pick. Were. They were. They, they were making fun of it. And I felt very confident about this pick going in. Kevin Kisner in his group is 2-0. and He currently— with just four holes to go, is three up on Justin Thomas, one win away from a perfect three and zero record, sweeping the group play, marching triumphantly into the knockout stages. I don't know if that's the correct terminology there. Yeah, you did it right. But all he has to do now is is have one hole, and he's already he's 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 locked it up. I'm feeling great about
2: this. I I got to be honest. So when when you I mean we alternate every week like who picks golfer? So it was your week this week. When you pick Kevin Kisner. I knew that you were busy with college basketball stuff, and I honestly didn't know if you looked at his group because his group was I did. tough. And I was like... He's match play god, though. I know. He is. He He's unbelievable in match play. And I was like, okay, I don't know if Mike actually looked at the group because we got Justin Thomas, we got Mark Leishman, and we got, I forget, uh, oh, Luke, Luke List. Luke List. Yeah, Luke List. Powerhouse Luke List. But, Jokers. Um, yeah, so I don't know. We're in 33rd place, I think, out of 96 teams or whatnot. So... Better than we usually are at this point in the year. We still got all four majors to go, but Kevin Kiz, let's bring it
1: home this weekend, baby. Ain't no hobby, ain't no hobby, baby. Texas Rutherford Show. Come for the sports takes, stay for the bodily function stories. You're damn right. Yeah, that's what we do here. We got to go to break. We got one hour left. We'll come back. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about the text line questions. Uh, There is one L basketball uh, story that I want to talk about also. And then we'll preview tonight's Sweet 16 games. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Danny Snard in studio here on a Friday on 1450 The Big X.
0: Like the pine trees lining in the winding road I've got a name I've got a name Like a singing bird in the croaking toad I've got a name I've got a name
1: And I carry it with me like my daddy did This is another Trevor classic Alright that he kept here. Wait for it. This is the moving Mike show the highway, on the Big X. Rolling me down the highway. Moving ahead so life won't pass me by. can say Bat, our Akron basketball coach, <laughs> John Grossi. I love everybody called John Gross, John Grocey, just because, like, you know, Jim Grocci has that last name pronounced that way. And at some point, I had to be like, I'm not the damn singer. Stop. Uh, it is the Five o'clock hour here of the Mike Rutherford Show on a Friday. Danny Sinard, podcast legend, here in studio today. I love glancing at the text line and seeing all the people who are like, is that Dan from the Card Chronicle podcast? And all I can think of is Almost Famous, where like the oh, yeah. he's like, Yes, on my better days, <laughs> yeah. I am Russell from Stillwater. Like just like on my better days, That's I am Dan from the Card Chronicle podcast. Okay. Yeah, I know.
2: I'm I like I feel like I'm like this mysterious figure that like lives out of state that like everyone's like, does he actually exist or is this like Mike's like you know, some guy that he basically made up in a... You're
1: not talking to the mic at all. Oh, sorry. The yeah. one radio rule you just completely defiled. That's okay. Yeah,
2: talking to the mic, Billy. Don't,
1: don't worry about it. I know. We've been talking a lot of hoops today, obviously, reacting to last night's Sweet 16 games. We'll look forward to tonight's Sweet 16 games. On a quick opening note, though, did you see, one, this morning that the New York Jets tweeted out an official vote of confidence or a vote of support for the St. Peter's Peacocks? And do you think they're screwed because of this?
2: Yeah, that's a bad omen. Done. Uh, my, my guy, Mekhi Becton, has got to get out of there. I mean, Jets, maybe the maybe the worst. I don't want to say the worst run franchise in the four major sports, but definitely one of the saddest for sure. And I think I, I read somewhere it's National Peacock Day as well. So. That's the follow-up. Yeah. So I
1: saw that this morning, and I'm like, it was fun while it lasted Purdue by 35. And mm-hmm. then I was quickly alerted. And this is – you can't make this up. Like, this is – one of those weird things that happens during March, these weird coincidences. Today is officially National Peacock Day. So now I'm kind of like, I don't know, St. Peter's by 25. You know what's
2: weird? Like, it's Elton John's birthday today. Okay. Do you want to guess his age? Ooh. 81. 81. It is 75. Oh man, sorry, Elton. But Elton John kind of looks like a peacock. So, for like, I, I get peacock vibes whenever <laughs> I see Elton John on stage, and it's National Peacock Day. And I was like, wow, like, how did that come I get about?
1: Peacock vibes. <laughs> is it just the outfits? With yeah, it's a yeah. colorful
2: outfit. I don't know. Everything, I'm like, oh, there's. Old Peacock Elton, there he is. The vibes are strong. Yeah, I, I think my parents are actually going to his concert. He's coming to the Yum Center. I want to say in at least a month or something. He like just that. added.
1: I think just added us to the tour yeah. a little while back. I did like the text or the tweet from Chris Nugent who said, "Who cares how many stars the recruits have? Uh, the pain train's gonna be full of hot guys." <laughs> that
2: that is how you tweet right there. Look, I, I, I misspoke. <laughs> I, I, I was, that got me a cackle during the break. Give us all the hot guys. Yeah,
1: all the hot players, all the hot names, all the hot guys. Get him on this roster. We're taking everybody now. Uh, do you have any rooting interest? I know we're all kind of pulling against Duke at this point. Do you have any rooting interest with the 12 teams that we now have still standing in the NCAA men's tournament? Yes. Is it just Mick Cronin?
2: It's UCLA. I'm not, it's not just Mick Cronin, okay? I'm not like this Mick Cronin stand. Like, I, I wanted get, him to, I want, are well, you? here's the deal. I, for for credibility for the podcast sake, like, I was like, he could not lose in the first round. And they had a struggle. I was, like, um, pretty nervous watching it. But I enjoyed watching this UCLA team last year make the run that they had, and they have everyone back. Plus, I mean, I love Jaime Hawkes, although I, I don't know what his status is for an day It's day, man. Yeah, that's he's tough. Heart. Yeah. Juzang's hard, too. Um, yeah, Johnny hasn't really played like himself all but I love Johnny Juzang. Tiger Campbell, he's, like, everything, like, when Kenny Payne gets a point guard,
1: Tiger Campbell is like who the type of point guard I want him to. extra just texted in a picture of Elton John literally dressed up like a peacock. Yes, St. Peter's is winning tonight, folks. Oh, yeah. It's
2: 100% happening. Birthday. Um, But, yeah, I, I just like the UCLA team in general. I think if they can get by tonight, um, you know. I, I'm with you. I, I think they can make the Final Four.
1: If they win tonight, I think they beat purdue or st peter's whoever yeah. advances there i think that they're carolina's going, playing
2: going well that. no no doubt um I <laughs> do don't we know. want
1: carolina duke in the final four i mean as a objective fan of college basketball it'd be great because the, i mean the two teams have never played in the ncaa tournament it's coach k's last year also carolina knocking him off would be kind of hilarious especially as an eight seed and after doing it in cameron indoor in the last time they played
2: we could be like the annoying SEC football fans when, like, Georgia plays Alabama
1: in the title game. We like, could, but also, like, I've kind of crapped on the conference all year long. Like I know. They, Like, I, they've made me more mad this year than any other year because they treat us like second-class citizens. I'm kind of done with the Tobacco Road conference. And, and so, there's part of me that doesn't even want it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean... I don't like this – I like Hubert Davis. I typically have not had much of an issue with Carolina over the years. I
2: dogged Hubert Davis and, like, the I like guys, him personally, though. Yeah, same here. But, like, I, I was like, I don't know if it's going to work out. But I hate and this obviously team. I was, I was too quick to judge because they're playing pretty well right now.
1: I don't like this team. Baycott yeah, is – Baycott is basically Grayson Allen, except yeah. nobody hates him as much for yeah. some reason. Um, and, and the other guys on the team I don't think are I, – I don't mind Brady Manick. Um,
2: I, I mean – you know, he looks a little funny, but Just I like, like him because he looks like a lumberjack. I mean, yeah, I don't and know. And shoots a bunch of threes. He does shoot a bunch of threes, but I think Carolina goes well. I say this, and it seems like when Caleb Love, I saw like somebody tweet, I think it was uh, Brian Smith, like when Caleb Love has like more than five turnovers, like Carolina's undefeated, They're undefeated. or something like that. Uh, so I was about to say, I think they go as far as Caleb Love takes them, but I, even though that stat is out there, um, I still think he's kind of the you know the thing that makes that team go
1: i mean him or rj davis has been so good the mm-hmm. last few weeks like he's yeah he's been fantastic uh texas says 502 1450 is the thornton's text line texas says, have danny tell the hitting someone with his car story radio needs dan the dumps if you don't listen to the Car chronicle podcast we like to and danny has a whole, i was gonna say horrible but you have like minor inconvenience things happen to you yeah on a Far too regular basis, things that are easily avoidable, but that you just have happen to have bad luck or your idiocy kind of gets you into. Yeah. And so we have a segment at the end of every podcast, almost every podcast, where you tell a quick short story about a bad thing that's happened to you recently or sometime in the past, and we call it "Dan in the Dumps." And that's probably the one that I think people have brought up the most is either you, it's 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 either you hitting, (laughs) it's either you hitting the person with your car. Or are you murdering the squirrel with your bike? Is, oh, yeah. I feel like are the two that people talk about that,
2: the most. That, that was on the way home from the memorial. Um, but the car one happened here in Louisville. It happened, uh, man, I, I was in college. I, I was just a low-key summer night where you're looking for stuff to do. I was going to play poker with some guys, and I was picking up my friend Rodney, at, who lived in Plainview at the time. and. I don't know why I was like, you know, I thought I was past the Dave Matthews band stage, but I I was like jamming out my car. I was like, Hey la 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 hey la and I just like rolled right, like I came to a stop sign, didn't come to a complete stop looked one way and just accelerated and this jogger just disappears under the hood of my car. Like it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like I just knocked a guy going like 40 miles an hour but it was like I had slowed all the way down and then like kind of accelerated and he just disappeared. So I get out and this guy's like ah like holding his knee and I was like, "Oh my god, like I am so sorry." Like, "Oh, please, like is there anything I can do?" He's like, "What, man? You didn't stop. Like, you didn't see the stop sign." I was like, "I'm really sorry." Like, you know, Uh, and like there's these people across the street like we saw the whole thing i was like ma'am can you please stay out of it and like the guy was like you live around here i was like no and like for some reason i was like i told him my address i was like i live in owl creek sir he's like well you best get on out of here. And I was like, yes, sir. I like, Did you hit someone in the Old West? Yeah, I know. Seriously. It's like, then I get my wagon? No. Uh, I got my car, and the house I was going to just happened to be, like, one house over from the street so, uh, the, the, where I hit the guy. So I, like, pulled into my friend Rodney's house, and I'm, like, beeping and, like, calling him frantic. Like, I'm like, dude, hurry up. Come outside. He's like, I'm brushing my teeth, man. Hold on a second. I was like, Rod, the whole neighborhood is gathering. I'm just sitting here. People are staring at me. This guy's like limping away. He's like, oh, what, like, what, what's the deal? So obviously, he comes in. I tell him the story, and we drive off. But
1: yeah, that was uh oh.
2: just another low moment in the old life.
1: People talk about that one, or the other one that I, I gets brought up a lot to me is you telling the story about how your your oldest daughter, your middle child, has a fascination with death out of oh, nowhere, yeah. and would bring up. Um, when you were you mistakenly started talking about Dale Earnhardt yeah
2: that one so like well we're going down another rabbit hole here aren't we so we were in North Carolina this summer like I mean you know kids kids just they they say the damnedest things (laughs) and uh anyways so all of a sudden like we're driving past just this regular building that had like a like replica of like Dale Earnhardt's car so I like turn around and I'm like talking to my son in the backseat I'm like hey bud, you see that car right there? I'm like, that's a NASCAR. I'm like, the guy that drove that car, he's one of the best race car drivers ever. And they were like, oh, like, does he still race? I was like, no, he doesn't. They're like, why not? And I'm like, well, actually he's, uh, he's, he, he went up to heaven. They're like, he died. They're like, how did he die? I was like, he actually died in a race. Like it was a pretty big race. Everyone saw it. And they were like, can i see it and i'm like why am i doing this i like got out like the daytona 500 on my car and i'm like holding it in the back seat like (laughs) while driving like showing them like the crash like of dale earnhardt going into the wall and like if you like go back and watch the crash like it doesn't look like that bad when it's happening he just like hits the wall and like my my middle daughter was just bewildered she's like Oh no no that's the, I just I want to see him die like I want to see I want to see him dying and I'm like well honey like I don't know how to tell you this babe but like they don't really show that kind of stuff she's like no I want to see his eyes close I was like no well yeah they don't have that like we just have the crash I'm I'm sorry this is all we have and like slowly pull the phone away oh god yeah
1: being a dad yep that's it's not what are cracked up to be yeah Texas some of us Dan actually haven't left left the Dave Matthews phase
2: oh yeah no I well. I, I liked all Dave's old stuff. Like I the new stuff, I don't know how much he still puts out. Like maybe around like two thousand and like five, that's about what I went up to as far as listening to the stuff that came out, but anything after that, um, yeah, I'm I'm a little behind.
1: Terry says my fave Dan of the Dumps is actually the fishing one with the dead fish on the line bleeping great. Oh yeah. I don't uh, even remember that one. I know. I kind of do.
2: Yeah, that was uh
1: yeah, that happened on vacation. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to. Your the the fact that your son became a fishing enthusiast. I mean, I'm right behind you, but you're probably like the least fishing guy out of all of our friends. I me would say. and you,
2: me and you are very similar. Is in like we love watching TV. We love basketball. <laughs> we love sports, and that's about all we love. Like we love <laughs> our families, and that's pretty much it. We, we I wouldn't say we like to get our hands dirty. I mean you. <laughs> I, w- I would put you above me in that slightly, category. Slightly. And, like, you know, I'm not calling you Tim Allen from Home Improvement by any means. Right. But um,
1: not to confuse me with the other Tim Allen. Yeah. Not from Home Improvement. Yeah.
2: But, anyways, um, yeah. But that being said, uh, my son becomes a fisherman and, like, out of nowhere, like, and I have to be the one that. You know, hook up everything for him slash my dad is the one that helps hook
1: up everything for him. <laughs> um, but we're, I, I'm learning on the job. I'm learning on the job. If we ever were, because we've had some adventures. If, if you followed the, the blog back in the day, 10 years ago, we're actually coming up on the anniversary of you and I going to New Orleans together for the Final Four. Oh, yeah. And getting into all sorts of trouble. If we ever were in a situation where it was just us two and we had some car issues, that's when we'd be really screwed. So yeah, think, we, we don't we, we don't do cars. We do I, not do cars. And this is like you know people are like, well, it's it's a gene thing. My dad and my older brothers are all about cars. They know everything. It just did not pass on to me. I, I've never could never have cared less about cars. Just not something that was yeah ever I'm, interesting to me. I just don't care. Just get my, me from point A to point B.
2: My dad was an Eagle Scout. Like like you know, <laughs> drop that one here. Five sixteen. My dad was an Eagle Scout. <laughs> Like I did not pick up any traits whatsoever from my dad. Like he is Mister Fix It. Thank God because uh, without him I'd be lost. But yeah. Anyways, I don't know how we got off that I don't tangent either. there.
1: Texas, if Cronin loses tonight, emergency pod for the latest and <laughs> the dump segment. People want us to do emergency pods after any sort of mild piece of news. If first of all, did you see the shirt that Hep Cronin was wearing today? I, it's incredible. You I need absolutely to get
2: it. Loved it. Yep. Got to get that asap. Um, I, I think people like. Are cheering against Cronin like not because he's a bad basketball? Because we talked about this in the pod. Like for some reason, he's just one of those guys that irks people. Like and it doesn't do it to me. Um, I, I look strictly from a basketball standpoint.
1: We have a friend who said he wouldn't want to be the Louisville head coach because he's too short. Exactly. <laughs> I
2: was, was going to let you say that one, but yeah, I mean, the, people find reasons to not like Mick for whatever reason, and I, I think it's
1: kind of kind of weird. Texas says we would never hear the end of a UNC Duke Final Four, especially with the best rivalry argument. Yeah, I mean, it would be, especially with it being Kay's last season, it'd be annoying. There's, there's no way around it. I mean, we played Kentucky in a Final Four, and we still, the weirdest thing about that, because it was, it was, it's not like it was just a local story. It was a big national story that Louisville and Kentucky were playing in New Orleans in the 2012 Final Four. We didn't even get the late night billing. Yeah, they I know. They gave it to Kansas and Ohio State. That was so weird.
2: I, gosh. And then, like, the, the worst part was, like, when we lost, we still had title tickets for the Kansas-Kentucky game. And you think, Kansas-Kentucky, like, absolutely two storybook programs. Like, tickets are going to be impossible to come by. Like, we couldn't even, like, give away our championship tickets. Like, we probably could have gave them away for 20 bucks. It was just, like, a weird dynamic overall. I think because, like, Louisville and Ohio State fans left, so there was a lot of available tickets. But, um, yeah, I was mad we didn't get the uh, – The Late final four game. If we ever are in the final four again, like, gosh, I do not want that first game. That Louisville, Wichita game that was almost that was close to being what like the worst moment of my life. I was like, if we lose this, like having to drive, drive, drive back. Well, my wife is a Michigan fan, so we would have stayed, yeah, we would have stayed, but um, yeah, that would have been that would have been
1: brutal. Was it weird? The fa- I mean, this is a moment that like you and I and, and our friends, we've waited for our entire lives. Seeing Louisville play in a national title, winning a national championship game. It, ha- it, it was quite literally yeah. the worst possible opponent for you. Your wife, diehard Michigan fan. Her whole family, diehard Michigan fans. Like, it was—and I did love that you, like, you didn't back down at all. You, you're like walking—we're walking out of the Georgia Dome, and you were like, I'm just going to push her in the water right there. Like, just, yeah. just no hesitation. Like, bleep Michigan, bleep that— it still had to have kind of – and our other best friend, like like my best friend growing up my entire life, Weber, his wife, diehard Michigan fan family. Yeah. It was just like – it was the worst possible time to play that team in that moment.
2: I'll say this. The lead-up to the game made it so much fun because, like, the Michigan fans were great. Like, when we pre-gamed at whatever bar we are at, like, the vibe that day was just all-time. It was an all-time vibe um like they were excited the Michigan fans were my wife was excited I was excited it was kind of like a hey like look at this couple they got different shirts on blah, blah blah like type thing which like it was fun and then like the game started and I was like okay time to get mean like uh, <laughs> like we're at Spike Albrecht's hitting everything I'm like okay get this guy off the floor but um yeah I mean I couldn't even really like fully even though I did like it was hard to fully bask in the championship glory just because my wife was a little sad,
1: and I'm like, oh,
2: "Come here!" Like, I love know. that
1: you're saying this. I'm imagining me and you running on the <laughs> yeah, grassy area, <laughs> like, like jumping up and down. You pouring a beer all over my head, like as we like hug and jump and celebrate when we saw each other for the first time after the game. It's like, yeah, you really toned it down. Yeah,
2: I know. There, well, I toned it down like when the buzzer went off, like because I was like more like in reflective mode, like look how far we've come and then like (laughs) i like literally did like this like arm around my wife like hey we still got us type of thing
1: one day this will be you yeah
2: you guys any day now but it's like i'd say that like they've been to five sweet 16s in a row and we haven't made the tournament or won a tournament game so she's living good right now
1: texter said who did more damage to the program mac or patino
2: that remains to be seen we don't know yet i think
1: that's a fair answer i mean I think you also have to take into account who did more for the program. Like Rick yeah. Patino's damage would be far more significant if he hadn't also done all the positive things with Mac. It's like, well, <laughs> you had the extortion thing, and also you missed two NCAA tournaments and never won a tournament game. So yeah, y- y- you're not counterbalancing anything here. It's like if the 2015 stuff doesn't happen, does any of the 2017 stuff happen? I, it's just all yeah. It's. Uh,
2: ho- ho- I mean, I I hope in a year, like we're just in a place where we never. I mean, not never talk about it, but like I hate, like, for the past six years, like anytime you bring up something, you like have to talk about the past, and I think everyone's just. I mean, I'm drained of it. I can't even imagine you. You gotta, you have to get on the radio and do it every single day. But that's that's the part of the Kenny Payne story that I want is we are so far removed from what has happened. We're past the IRP stuff. We're past the scandals and people look at us as a powerhouse university. Again, that's when I know we made the
1: right choice. It's going to be, I mean, I still think it's going to be a little bit of a process not to, to become nationally relevant. Cause I'm with, I think it's possible to become a relevant name, like a fringe top 25 program that makes an NCAA tournament pretty quickly. If, the NCA stuff doesn't wind up keeping that from being a possibility, but as far as like getting totally over the stigma that's been attached to our name now for the better part of God seven years, it's going to take some time. Like you have to have a sustained period where not only is the program successful, but you've cut out all these dumbass headlines that we keep making. Like yeah. like even the little stuff that just gets attached to you, like the you know the president accidentally saying Kentucky instead yeah. of Louisville at the the graduation. It's a nothing in any other program outside of just a like a little blurb that gets talked about on radio shows and maybe played on some local news stations. And at Louisville it becomes, well, they just they can't get right. They can't do anything right. They can't get out of their own way. And until we have like four or five years where the dumbass headlines stop and the teams start winning, then we're still going to be kind of be a point and laugh at program or they're the reason that everything's wrong and they're everything that's wrong with college athletics. And that's just going to be the case. It, it's, it sucks. Every now and then, I, get, I remember how long we've been dealing with this because mm. it was the fall of, of 2015. And I look back that weekend, we played NC State in football. It was freshman Lamar Jackson who yeah. was still battling with Kyle Bolin for the starting quarterback job. That's how long we've been in this era of scandal. And you have to assume that whenever the punishments come down, like the era, you don't just completely move on. Even if we don't get a postseason ban, they're going to hit us with something. And we're still going to be known as the mm-hmm. program that did all this stuff and has the banner taken down. And when we look back, it's going to be close to a decade of scandal.
2: That's, and like, I think that's why year one, like, Kenny really has an opportunity to make a big splash. Like, and I hate to keep going back to that 09 Kentucky team, but I mean, they're coming off DUI Billy Gillespie. They're, you know, coming off of rumors like Billy Gillespie out at night, you know. Creeping on whatever and just a, an awful stigmatism to their name, um, and he comes in year one, gets a couple guys that just completely turn around and resurrect the program, and then you basically don't hear about Billy again. Like it, it went away almost immediately, and they got it rolling. So I I know that we that what we have is a lot more serious and a lot more on our plate than than that, but there is an opportunity to really become like the cool spot to be like the cool university. And I think that's what's most appealing about Kenny Payne is he can really put this program in a place from a like national standpoint of like, whoa, like look what they're doing. Like this would be an awesome place to go to that, you know, maybe some of these
1: other hires that we could have made would not have done. You need somebody to get the ball rolling. And the, the name is obvious. And it's why I think not to keep coming back to it, even though I think we're going to keep coming back to it for, for, The next several months but the DJ Wagner stuff is so important because if you are able to get him that's that first like that that John Wall commitment that UK had that Mm -hmm. makes you the cool program that players who see DJ Wagner who know who he is who followed him for years who idolize him want to to mimic They, they want to go there. You need that to happen. And I'm not saying it necessarily has to be DJ Wagner. If it's another player from that class who comes here and kills it and has a one and done type freshman season and becomes one of the coolest players in the country, that works too. But you've got it has to be a group. It has to be somebody. It has to be somebody or some buddies. Like Pierce Clark's on the football front. If you don't get him, then all of this stuff that's happening with this California pipeline and all these other four stars that are only coming to visit Louisville and committing to Louisville because they know Pierce, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like you've got to get that first guy. You got to get that Teddy Bridgewater that Charlie Strong got. You've got to get that uh, Lamar Jackson that Petrino got in his second tenure. Who's it going to be? We'll find out. Well, let's let's look at it this way. You go back to 09.
2: Uh, to this day, one of the most devastating losses that we've experienced as a U of L fan. It was Michigan State in the Elite Eight. It was terrible. Goran Suton went nuts. Ugh like to forget about that game as much as I can but that was the same weekend that John Calipari got hired and that same year I don't remember if it was uh like a couple months after that. that's when the whole Patino Karen Cypher thing came out it was right then yeah and the momentum just kind of switched like everything was such in Louisville's favor we had it rolling and the momentum completely shift you look at right now I mean the UK fan base is they're fractured right now. I mean, I wouldn't say they're totally fractured. I still think majority think Cal is the guy. But for the first time, there's more than whispers saying, hey, what are we doing here? We haven't won in three years. This sure. is getting ridiculous. He's getting paid this much. He has a lifetime con- contract, $54 million buyout. Like, what is the deal here? We hire the cool guy, Kenny Payne. If he can just come in and completely flip the switch, I mean, there's an opening there, like, like UK did to us. There's an opening for us to switch the tide here. That would just, I mean, obviously it would be the greatest thing ever, but, I mean, it would just be huge if we can just, gosh, get a couple guys off the bat here to really get momentum rolling.
1: There is sort of that weird dynamic in this rivalry where, you know, Denny Crumb gets to Louisville and he kind of makes Joe B. Hall, who'd been successful, look like the old guy and like the, the uncool guy. And then you have, you know, Rick Patino comes, and, and it was more of a Rick made Denny look like the old guy and kind of mm-hmm. uncool. But then Cal came, and he had the same effect on Patino. Yeah. He made him look like, yeah, you know, this is, he had success. He did his thing, but I'm going out here. I'm getting one and done. I'm putting a record number of players in the first round of the NBA draft. Rick's not doing that. Yeah. And I'm having success doing it. Like I'm getting to final four, final four pretty much every year after I get here. You forget how quickly that national title happened. Because I feel like we were backing on Cal for not winning a national championship for a, a long time. Yeah, it was like and the fact of the matter years. is because is we—it's all we had was, hey, these teams are really good. You still haven't won one. And then he gets one in year three. It's been 10 years since. And now, you know, not only are they not winning national titles, they haven't been to a Final Four since 2015. And, you know, you win nine games last year. You, you, you lose in the first round for the first time under Calipari and the first time to a double-digit seed under Calipari. And you're right. All of a sudden, the – portion of that fan base that has a level of dissatisfaction with John Calipari, it's higher and it's different than it has been in years past. Mm-hmm. And you do kind of feel like that presents you with an opportunity to come in here and swoop in and you know not overtake Kentucky right out of the gate like they did with us when Cal got there, but set it up to become the new cool program, to make Kenny Payne the guy that everybody wants to come play for. Because this stuff is cyclical. You can't be the cool program forever. I mean, Kentucky was for five, six years than Duke kind of was, and I don't know if they're going to be able to keep that up. John Shire doesn't strike me as a guy who right out of the gate is going to be the cool guy in college basketball, and I'm not necessarily saying that Louisville steps up to that mantle, but in due time, if you get a couple of classes with a couple of really exciting high-profile players and you have maybe more success your first two or three years than people are anticipating, then you could look up in year four year five when you're removed from all the NCAA stuff and say, we're doing that. Like, 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 this is the program that kids want to come play for. This is uh, We resonate now on a national level in a way that we didn't even when Patino was killing it here. Yeah. And I think that's the goal right now. For That's the dream that Louisville fans have with Kenny Payne.
2: And just to add further to that, I mean, you look at the ACC as a whole. I mean, yeah. Kay's leaving. For sure. I mean, Hubert Davis, granted, he's making a nice run, but he's new. Um, so there's just a lot of unknown there. And, and there's an opportunity to grab that conference by the horn as well. So
1: um, – Like, the good coaches in the ACC right now – aren't the cool coaches and maybe Hubert Davis becomes that maybe John Shire becomes that they're not right now yeah and the, the good coaches who are I mean Jim Beheim is old Tony Bennett is Tony Bennett he's going to do his thing like he's he probably becomes the face of the conference now mm-hmm. but he's not going to go out there and, and take a five star away from you if you right. if you've got your claws in him and I mean Mike Young I think is a great coach Steve Forbes is a great coach but those guys don't have the potential they'll probably be bumped up like to
2: a different university in a couple of years, to be honest. Sure. Like, I mean, C. You know, Forbes is already getting buzzed for, yeah. for different jobs. I mm-hmm. think he'll
1: stay at Wake for a few years because they just gave him a, a gigantic contract with a huge buyout. But I wouldn't be shocked if three, four years down the line, he takes a, a step up to a greener pasture, maybe Mike Young the same way. But there's a real opportunity to step in and kind of become one of the new faces of the new ACC. I mean, Bayham's not going to coach forever, yeah. although I feel like he's probably going <laughs> to coach till he's like 94. Yeah, he. he Laranega's like, the same way. Yeah, like th- this is a this is a new era for the conference, and that presents an opportunity for Louisville. It, it, hell, it was an opportunity for Chris Mack, and he just couldn't capitalize on it. And now you have got Kenny Payne. We got to take our last break. We'll come back one final segment. We'll take more of your text, and then we'll make our picks for tonight's Sweet Sixteen games. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one, the Big X. I keep wanting to say go cards after every time. <laughs> This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Oh, what is Trevor doing? What is this? What, what, what is, this is just classic Trevor. What, 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 what is he doing? This is the last song that we're coming into on a Friday? This is how we're ending the week? I'm kind of side with the KRC guys that fired him from DJ duties now. What's up with that, Gary? What are you...
2: I just came up at random. <sighs>
1: It's a TK classic. It's who who he is. It's what he does. That's right up his alley. Well, you know, you can dance to it. Yeah, you can Well, some people can. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, It's the final segment here of the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Danny Sinard, co-host of the Card Chronicle podcast here in studio in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, We did get a text on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450, just saying, I can't believe these two have been on for two and a half hours and have yet to make one sidetrack reference to the Cincinnati Reds. I'm just as surprised as you are. Yeah, and I know Dan is chomping at the bit. I mean, I, I, what do you want me to say here? It's here's sell the I, team, Bob. I was gonna say
2: we all we all want Bob to sell the team. And are we all depressed about the trade that went down with Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez? Yes, we're pretty sad. But I gotta say,
1: here we go. As sad you do as this every I, year, I do. Here it comes. As sad as I was.
2: Like from their financial standpoint oh and what God. they've done since those moves and oh and trading for Mike Minor and signing Tommy Pham to a one year deal, I kinda like it. Like I, I I don't like it. I miss Jesse. Like obviously my kid, you know, Cam, he loved Jesse, loved Gino, but from a baseball standpoint, I mean, I think in two to three years – Oh, my God. And I, every Reds fan says this, but we have an absolute loaded about top eight, nine prospects list. Ellie De La Cruz, do not forget the name. If you haven't uh watched any spring training games, he had a Grand Slam the other night. He's absolutely electric. Nobody will watch any spring know, training games. It's probably about two years away. But real quick, just on the Reds, <laughs> I think they are going to, with the expanded playoffs – be in the hunt until August. Till August.
1: Oh my okay? god, you're you're out of your mind. Till August. All you right. do this every year when like not the the last two years notwithstanding because we had expectations. But you'll do this thing where you get hope before the season. This is true. The Reds win like 68 games. Well. And uh, then we're all like we're woe is me, we we spend the entire season making fun of the team on our text thread. Going to games making fun of the team while we're at the games. And then we're like never again, never getting our hopes up. And the rest of us will stay true to this. And then you let a little bit of time pass. We'll follow Louisville football and basketball. And then it gets to about here. It gets to early March, late February. And then you'll be the one who's like, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do fall for it. Like, for some reason, it always sounds a lot better. And then, like. Once the actual game start and you realize that you're up at like 1230 at night watching an extra Pirates game and watching Heath Hembry give up like back-to-back bombs and like the top of the 10th, you're like, maybe I, maybe I overshot there.
1: I mean, the other night, like I'm sitting here trying to write college basketball stuff. I'm flooded with NCAA tournament stuff. And you're on the Reds text group trying to debate. <laughs> TJ Friedel versus Shogo Akiyama. Well,
2: they do need to cut Shogo. And
1: He's... I I I just had to be like I can't do this right now, Dan. Yeah. I'm I'm not in a place mentally where I'm ready to start debating TJ Friedel, Friedel. TJ Friedel, yeah. Friedel versus no. Shogo Akiyama. Well,
2: Shogo's making 8 million a year, so I know the Reds won't cut him unfortunately, but he brings nothing to the team and TJ Friedel actually does. But well, like I said, just let us let us enjoy this until August. It, you know, we're just glad baseball. August is,
1: back. is asking way too much. Oh come on! That's like saying I hope that the UVA football team's in the the college football playoff discussion until Thanksgiving.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, Sat's hot right now. He so. is hot right now. He's so hot guy. Hot. Very hot guy.
1: Texas, turn his microphone off. That's it for Dan. No more Reds, oh. Reds. are over. Oh gosh. Texas, my prediction is Dan is going to regret his prediction by May, and the Reds will have won two games.
2: People are, like, jumping off the bandwagon way too fast. Like, they saw, like, two big names get traded that have been on the team forever. I get it. Like, Jesse Winker rakes. But he's also hurt all the time. Like, he's hurt all the time. And Gino has not been the same since he hurt his shoulder. He makes a lot of money. So, I get dumping his salary. Um, I don't know. Like, if we bring up Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, who knows what kind of spark they're going to provide for the team. Still got Louis Castillo. I know he's got a hurt shoulder right now, but I, I'm more optimistic than I think. I, well, we just talked about it, but I'm more optimistic than most of the fan base.
1: You're more optimistic than quite literally the entire fan <laughs> Than David Bell. I'm more optimistic you're than You're more David optimistic Bell. than Bob Castellini. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're more optimistic than anybody who's somewhat associated with the Reds' uh, franchise. Well, yeah. You'll have to have me
2: back on in October when we're, uh, you know, making a surprise run.
1: When Shogo's hitting 189 and still betting cleanup in mid-July, we'll talk again.
2: Come on, Shogo. Show me something.
1: I like Shogo. It's I know. T- I, I don't want him to do says, Broke Bob saw all the season ticket holders cancel their ticks after the Winker Gray Trades and immediately tried to play Band-Aid and signs Fam and, and Minor. Look,
2: we know, yeah, we know the story. We know that they cut payroll any chance that they
1: get. That's my problem with it, is, is if you're going to do this thing, go full bore. Don't just try to, this is not a time for half measures. If you're going to tank, and hope to be good in three to four years, then fully tank. Let's not just be like a, a seventy-win team again. Like th- this is we're, we're going to live in purgatory forever because it's the Reds. And even if they did tank, I don't trust. Like we're not smart enough to do the right things. We're not like the Rays, who can who are going to make the right moves and be really good in a couple years. That's,
2: yeah, I mean that's a fair point. Like we haven't been the most well-run organization.
1: It's like too long didn't read. The sum the summary is. I've got no faith in the Reds ever being good ever yeah. until this team is in somebody else's hands
2: okay so things are going well in the text line it sounds like <laughs> um anyways just I mean if if we can just wait out what we have in the pipeline um oh my God Dan. I'm just telling you like these kids coming up are legit like why the, do you the do last, this to the yourself? the last time we we quote unquote rebuild like I know you're saying we're, like, half-assing the rebuild this time. We really half-assed it last time in 2015. Like, we kept Todd Frazier, you know, because he made the all-star team and we wanted to sell tickets, but we traded Johnny Cueto for, you know, three guys and none of them panned out, you know. So it was just terrible. That rebuild was so awful. Like, this one, like, we really have some dudes down in, you know, single, double, triple-A that I think are going to make an impact on the organization oh so with that being said if they do fit second to last <laughs> it would shock me but i i i um, i just want to
1: make sure you're hearing yourself yeah
2: no i so am. let
1: your words linger
2: this will be a podcast so i'll be able to go back and retrace my steps here can't B- wait bullpen's gonna be improved oh my god
1: i mean C- can't, i mean improved that, from historically i was gonna awful. say improved from the literally one of the worst bullpens of all time um can't wait we're good we're back Texas, uh, did you see the Haley Van Lith quote today? I'm assuming this is a reference oh, to. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, Jeff Walls and the, the players talk today, and Haley Van Lith. She definitely brought a little bit of attitude. We um, can't play the clip here, uh, but we. Uh, she said she referred to Louisville as kind of like the bad news bears, which seems like an odd comparison. But she went on to say, "We upset everyone's bracket. We pissed people off that we're good. We don't need the people picking the brackets. We don't need Barack Obama's bracket. We don't need Jimmy Fallon. We just need ourselves. We're going to do us, and we're going to go out there and we're going to play to win." I love the attitude.
2: Haley's swaggy.
1: She is. It's why, you know, we had Cam Robinson on yesterday, and he just written the story about her refining her confidence. And she's never somebody who would strike you as somebody who was ever lacking in confidence. Just watching her play, hearing her talk, you'd assume that she's, uh, you know, just, just full, fully confident all the time, but apparently not. I love the swag. I love the quote. I get why opposing fan bases would be like, she's referring to this team that's a one seed. Like, yeah. like, they're...
2: That speaks to Jeff Walls. Though. Oh, he
1: loves playing up the, the Yeah, that, I mean that really disrespect. does. Like
2: he he has his team believing. Like when you have, and like I'm Haley Vanless, not the only you know person that's done this on like a, a favorite team. Like coming like we're the underdog when you're like the number one overall seed, like in a tournament or something like that. But that speaks testament to the coach that he has his players mind warped, thinking they are the underdog, yeah. and they have to have that mentality going in. Um, you know. That's just obviously going to help them during the game.
1: Yeah, talking about we've upset everyone's brackets, like, well, we've beaten a 16 and a 9 seed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we, we've done what we're supposed to do. My guess, and, and, and this is another thing that I talked with Cam about yesterday, is if you've gone and looked at any of the, the betting odds or the articles that everybody does this week where you reseed the Sweet 16 in order of, you know, you power rank the Sweet 16, whatever you want to call it, Louisville's a, a 1 seed right now. All the 1 seeds are alive. Nobody has Louisville in the top four of these power rankings. I know Chantel Jennings, who, who covers women's basketball for the Athletics, she had Louisville as the sixth best team still standing. Uh, ESPN did the same thing. They had Louisville as the fifth best team still standing. And if you're Jeff Walls and you're looking for some level of disrespect, I think Louisville is the – they have the sixth best odds to win the national title. They're 10-1 to 1 if you feel really strongly about the cards being able to cut down the nets here in a couple of weeks. Go lay a wager on that. Uh, if, you, if you have to go leave Kentucky, yeah, go somewhere else. Go to any of the neighboring states. You'll be able to do it legally, uh, but we'll get there in you know, 2065. But my guess is that's what Jeff Wallace has been playing up all week long is, look, you are, by any rational thought, one of the four best teams left in the tournament. You're a one seed. You've won both your games. You won by nine against Gonzaga. You handled Albany like you're supposed to handle a 16 seed. You've done what you're supposed to. And yet, people look at you as... A level below at least one of the other two seeds. Mm-hmm. That's disrespect, yeah. And I think that's where she's she uh, that's where she's coming from here. Now, referring to yourself as the bad news bears when you're a one seed that uh, is one of the favorites to get to the final four is is probably a little bit of overkill, but. You know, you don't see a whole lot of brackets out there that have picked Louisville to win the national title. There's been some UConn talk, even though they're a two seed. There's been a lot of South Carolina talk, obviously. A lot of people think Stanford could repeat or that NC State can win this whole thing. You haven't seen many people stepping up and picking Louisville as their national champion. And if you want to play at the disrespect level from that perspective, then okay, sure. Like
2: you talked about it earlier in the show with like the men's coaches. There's some that have that stigmatism like, well, like, you know, are they ever going to win that big one? But you would know, like when it happens, like it's a, it's going to happen and B, when it does like the floodgates are just going to open and you feel like Jeff Walls is just on the absolute doorstep right now. Like any year now, I feel like it's going to happen. I mean, it, obviously, I, you know, like you said, we're about six choice right now, but um, I don't know. I, he's just been such a good coach for such a long time and done such a good thing with this program that you just feel it coming and when it does it's just gonna lead to more so I'm excited to see you know obviously they can make it to the final four where and sorry where's the final four this year for I the believe women? it's Minneapolis okay gotcha so yeah let's have the girls get to Minneapolis and uh once they're there we'll we'll see what happens All
1: right, Car sticking on Tennessee tomorrow at four o'clock ESPN2 will have the TV coverage Texter, this is the guy who always claims that Trevor's watched anime with him before. Uh, Texas says, Trevor decides to watch anime with me again. Emergency pod. I I still don't understand how this happens. I laugh every time, though. the greatest experience of my life. This guy claims that he watched anime at Trevor's house. Trevor's never watched anime his entire life, and yet this becomes a thing. Uh, Texas says, Dan is either Bob or Nick Kroll's nephew yeah well he is you are we've said that that on the show you are I mean your family is involved with the Reds organization which maybe has skewed your perspective a little bit but at the same time I feel like I talked to your cousins who are you know quite literally working for the organization and they're way harder on the Reds than you are yeah
2: no this is true um I don't know (laughs) I like like I said I, I I look at the roster top to bottom, and I look at the division. All right, look at the division. Like there's no no one in our division, but maybe Milwaukee, um, that that overly scares me. But hey, if you guys want to jump off the bandwagon now, that's fine with me. I'll ride it alone. I don't care. I'm I'm used to doing it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Texas, are we the women's version of Gonzaga men's basketball? No, because we play in a power conference. The ACC has, what, four teams in the Sweet 16, I think, on the women's side. Um, Jeff Walls doesn't get DUIs. He does not get DUIs. And also, I don't think we've ever been – like last year, Gonzaga was an overwhelming favorite to win the title. They were the number one overall seed. I know they were this year, but last year they were unbeaten, and everybody thought they were going to get it done. I don't think Louisville's ever been in that situation, just because UConn has been such a dominant force. And then even when we've been we've had our best teams and UConn's been down a little bit, other teams have been seen as the favorite that year. Like, mm-hmm. like Notre Dame had their run, um, South Carolina more recently has had their run. So I don't think we've ever been viewed in those terms. But I I get the I mean we are a number one seed a lot. We've been a number one seed three of the last four years. We've fallen short of winning a national title at least to this point. We've played in a couple of title games like in has. So I I see why you would make the comparison. I think it's it fits on some levels but not on the others.
2: Yeah, I, I think. I don't want to say there's, like, an overwhelming pressure on Jeff Walls to win the big one because of, you know, what he's brought this program from when he first got here to now is just – it's night and day. But, um, I, you know, I think he probably puts pressure on himself just like the team puts pressure on himself. So, yeah, I mean, it's – this is a cliche saying. Here we go. Love it's it. hard to win a national championship. Only uh, one and, team can do yeah, it. only one team can do it. That's so, the way it works. One bad night and you're out. So – I think, uh, I, I, do I think that criticism, if you want to call it that is, is fair, I guess maybe, but, um, I, I still think Jeff Walls is due and he's going to get one sooner rather than later.
1: Texted I just listened to Trevor's thoughts on law school from earlier this week. He just made my next family gathering so fun. I love you, Trev. Only Sean Moth can replace you. I did. Uh, this is, this is what my mom texted and she's like, I love Trevor so much. So Trev, <laughs> Trevor thought law school was just like one class. That's like low. you just, you showed up every day. And you learned law. <laughs> he's like, he's like, what? You had like actual classes? Did you get tested? I'm like, well, every class has one final, and that's kind of that's kind of the whole thing. He's like, well, was it just, like, what is it? Just,
2: Everyone just stands up and repeats the Constitution for four
1: hours. He just thought you showed classroom. up at school for a few hours. You learned law, and then you had some tests, and that was that was it. It was just one class, just law. Uh, no, uh, Texas says, just heard Dan on the radio. Sorry, Dan, you don't even go here. Mike, Dan, Trevor has to be a show at some point. Trevor is the summer George.
2: Yeah, dude, I, Trevor has it like from the, the Thornton's text line. Trevor has like a, a very big following here. Trevor's the guy I feel like when I listen to him, like I need to go out and spend not just one night, like I need like two to three nights to really feel Trevor out to be like, okay, one night will do it. Okay, one night will do it. One That's, night will give you all you need to know. Yeah. Would I be like, would I be okay to go out the second night if I handle it, hung out with Trevor, or do you think I'd be down for the count?
1: Well, there's no going out with Trevor. Okay. If you're hanging out with Trevor, you're staying wherever Trevor is because Trevor doesn't go out. So you're probably just doing a lot of drugs and hanging out with Trevor. That's, I'm, I'm going I'm to put it in bluntly, pun, Rig- in, pun intended. Rigmus forever. Trevor. Trevor. Texas, hearing that Trevor's interpretation of law school was basically traffic school is hilarious. That's exactly what it was. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> all right, we've got it. We all only have about five, six minutes here. Let's pick some games tonight. Um, well, first of all, let's pick a women's game tomorrow. Cards are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Tennessee, at least where I'm looking. How confident do you feel that the uh, the, the ladies are going to get it done and move on to the Elite Eight, where they might play another Michigan yeah. team yet again with a trip to the Final well, Me and my line.
2: wife were talking about it. She's like, hey, if Michigan wins, we're going to meet in the Elite Eight. So uh, nice, nice, fun activity for the weekend if both those teams uh, do happen to pull it off. I think the cu- the cards are going to cover nine points tonight, so I think they win think tonight, they and I think they beat Michigan and roll on to Minneapolis.
1: What's well, tomorrow? So
2: let's er, that. yeah, sorry. Yeah. Four o'clock.
1: Don't get anybody all worked up. My bad. Did I have I missed it? Have I missed the game? I think I think it's a big. T- I think it's their best performance of the tournament yet. I'll say they win by fifteen, and then they get pushed a little bit uh, by Michigan. If it's Michigan, if it's South Dakota, I feel I feel more confident. Uh, tonight's men's game, the first one to tip off is actually maybe the most interesting, just because. We've never had a 15 seed go to a regional final. It's only the third uh, 15 seed to make a sweet 16. St. Peter's versus Purdue. Purdue, it's an odd role for them because we usually see them as the team that comes up short. Like they just, they find a way not to make a final four. Or they find a way not to make an elite eight. But now it's all opened up for them. The Peacocks, hefty underdog in this game. Is there any magic left in Shaheen Holloway's, whatever the, he's been using? What's the spread on there? Uh, I don't have it. In front That's of okay. All right, it.
2: this is this is what I'll say. I do not trust Matt Painter one iota. Like I really don't. Like, and I know this is where Cinderella always goes home. Like the Sweet Sixteen. None of these, you know, fifteen seeds never make it to the Elite Twelve eight. and a half. Twelve and a half. I'll say I'll say the Peacocks cover the twelve and a half. Um, but I'll say Purdue with a late
1: scare pulls it out by. a – Four points. I going to say Purdue covers. I want to be wrong again, and God knows if, if Jay Nivie's scary again. That's that's kind of my whole thought. Is he's a guy that you just don't have an answer for. Of course, they didn't have an answer for Oscar Sheby, but yeah. they game planned well for him. I mean, this team—they're not scared of anybody. I expect them to be competitive. I expect them to fight for a little bit. I think at the end of the day, Purdue just pulls away. And when when Purdue does have it going offensively, they score in bunches. Like they, they can. This could be a game where. St. Peter's is within six, seven, with five minutes to go, and then Purdue just, you know, they they, they hit the the gas, yeah. and all of a sudden they they win by eighteen.
2: I, like I said,
1: I don't know. They, I don't I don't trust him either, but it's a three fifteen.
2: Yeah, I, I I have more faith in Shaheen Holloway from what I've seen. Um, He's a, hell of a coach to, to put a nice game plan together here.
1: Uh, the other early game, other early session game, about seven thirty tip off. Kansas, the top seed, last top seed left standing. Who would have thought this? They are taking on Providence, another team that most people did not think would make it to the Sweet 16, Jayhawks. The line has dipped towards Providence this everyone's entire week. Everyone's on Providence. Jayhawks now, depending on where you're looking, either a seven or a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Who you got here? I'm on Kansas. To cover, like win and cover?
2: Win and cover. I think everyone's on Providence. I mean, I, hey, Ed Cooley's done amazing things, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like Bill Self is – He's due to get another one on the resume here. Things are opening up for him. So it really is. I, I think I think Bill Self is uh ready to move on
1: here. This is where Bill Self thrives. Like yeah. he never wants to be the focal. Yep. He wants to be That's that's a that's a good way to put it. He wants to be top tier, but like right underneath the top of that top tier. This is where like he gets it done. Yeah. I like I I've picked Miami to win this region. I had Kansas losing to Iowa in this round. I've been thinking all week I want to pick them to lose to Providence just because I'm rooting for Providence. I think Ed Cooley rules. I think yeah. It's a cool story. They're finally having some success. I feel like Kansas wins in covers tonight. I hope they I'm, – I'm pulling for Providence. I hope I'm wrong again. I've been saying all week I'm going to take Providence straight up. I can't do it. So not only am I not taking them straight up, I'm not taking them to cover. Sorry, Ed. Uh, UCLA, North Carolina, here we go. Uh, Carolina, hot out of nowhere, blowing teams out, a lot of offense. Uh, UCLA – as good as they looked against St. Mary's, Jaime Hawkes dinged up. Johnny Juzang dinged up. That's two of their three best players. Uh, Jules Bernard stepped up a little bit. Tiger Campbell I think is still unpredictable. How you feel this one plays out?
2: Well, I, I, health is a big part of it. Got to see. I, I mean, I think Johnny Juzang will play. Jaime Hawkes, I mean, his ankle sprain looked pretty bad. So w- we'll see. But – Mick is going to muddy up the waters tonight. I mean, he is going to make this like an old fashioned slobber knocker back to the Cincinnati days where all their games were like super ugly. Um, so I expect this game to have no flow to it at all, um, which I think favors UCLA. I don't know. I just, I love Tiger Campbell so much, like running the team. I just trust that guy at the end of games. I do. Um, so I'm going to go with UCLA here. I think, I think they cover, um, and they move on in this bracket. But it's going to be – this will be – I mean, it's the game I'm looking forward to the most out of the four tonight.
1: Same. I mean, and also just, like, those two names. Yeah. See them on the floor at the same time, as much as we may – like, I hate this UNC team. I do. like Just because of what they did at the Yum Center, and Baycott's so annoying. But UCLA does not have an answer for him inside. Like, yeah. I think this could be a game where, like you said, I, you almost expect Baycott to get, like, 20-16 and 16 at least. And if R.J. Davis and or Caleb Love play well – It's probably too much for UCLA. I'm banking on neither one of those guys playing well. I think UCLA wins. Like they just they find a way in these in these spots. They have the last couple of years. They make ridiculous shots. I'm going with the Bruins, and I feel like it's not the logical pick, but I'm going for it. Uh, The last game, probably the least interesting. um, Number 10 Miami versus number 11 Iowa State. Fun fact: This is the fourth time a 10 has played an 11 in the NCAA tournament. The prior three times, the 11 has won each matchup, and two of those three times, the 11 has gone on to go to the Final Four. Uh, VCU with Chaka Smart, and then Syracuse a couple of years ago, or in 2016, with Jim Boeheim at the helm. Miami is a three-point favorite. I'm saying it. Trend ends tonight. Miami, team of destiny. Isaiah Wong lighting it up. Cam Agusti's fantastic. Miami just, they're straight, They're better than Iowa State. They should win this game.
2: I'm going to go opposite here. Okay. Uh, I watched the Iowa State-Wisconsin game. And, yes, we can, you know, talk about Wisconsin. They lost their point guard during that game. And they suck. Their their defense was tough. I mean they, they were tough to score against. Like their new coach, sorry, his name is I'm blanking on it right now. I know it's not prom who or Steve Prom is just, just going back hired. to Murray yeah, State. Yeah, going now. back to Murray State. I saw that. Um Whatever he's done with this program, it's like a 180 because you always think of Iowa State as like a running gun team. But man, they really grind you out on the defensive end. So I think that's a bad matchup for Miami. So I'm going to go Iowa State here. Um, I don't know what the spread is, but I like Iowa State outright.
1: TJ Osselberger, by the way, from South Dakota State. Gotcha. Former okay. Jack Rabbit down right. there. Yeah. That's kind of, it's, it's been maybe the most overlooked great story. Yeah. They won two games last year. That's unbelievable. Two games. Two they games. They went winless this. in the Big 12. Yeah. And he comes down there, gets some transfers, and they're. Hey, if Iowa State can do it, Louisville can do it. You're damn right. If yeah. the Cyclones can do it, we can do it. Big shout-out to Danny Sinard for spending some time with us here on the show. Listen to the Card Chronicle podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you can. we got the cards tomorrow. Hopefully, we're celebrating a victory on Monday and getting ready for the Elite Eight. Even if we're not, we'll be on the air. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the hoops. We'll see you guys on Monday. Go Cards. Go Cards.